Las Vegas, a surreal city, gleaming of possibility. Since the dawn of this oasis, and the first lights buzzed on, with wide-eyed hope of changing lives, we've been chasing the siren song of Lady Luck. One fortuitous moment can give you it all. Nothing is promised. Tonight, Vegas is vicious. Inside that briefcase, a contract guaranteeing you a world title opportunity. The future must go through me. I have been waiting for this moment for a long time. Three out of one, Marky Giles is completely lost it. This is the era of the Roman Empire. Oh my God, it's Seth Rollins! I'm back for one thing, that's the title that I never lost. Welcome to the greatest money in the bank pay-per-view in history. A big fight town for a big fight. And Vegas is the perfect stage. These superstars will have to go all in. The opportunity of a lifetime. Destiny in your hands. What if I, AJ Styles, would have been here 15 years ago? Enough. You got a chance to do it now. The dream match, 15 years in the making. Your time is up. My time is now. We can be. While I was gone, you earned it, big man. But one thing you haven't done is beat me. <laughs> you want to be the man. You want to run around here and call yourself the man. For money in the bank, they're not going to call me the guy because I'm the champ. They're going to call me the guy because I beat you. This time, what happens in Vegas is not staying in Vegas. Someone leaves Mr. Money in the Bank with their legacy intact, a champion. Or I win Money in the Bank, I cash in, and I walk out WWE World Heavyweight Champion. And now, Gold Bond presents Money in the Bank. After the match is finished, we go to Tom Phillips backstage with Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens uh, is such a douche name. <laughs> such, a, such an annoying prick. I love it. It's absolutely amazing. He refers back to last year where he faced John Cena. And Chris Jericho uh, interrupts and says that he created money in the bank and that he's going to win it, even though he never has. Owens tells Jericho that he needs a mint. <laughs> which I quite liked. Then Del Rio turns up and starts talking talking some rubbish. He keeps calling them perros, which is obviously Spanish for dogs, as I explained. It's quite an entertaining squabble between the three of them. And as they walk off, or no, just before they all walk off, Chris Jericho says, there's, there's two perros here, and that's a pair of idiots. <laughs> which made me chuckle. I find this a promo quite fun, quite daft little bit in the middle of the card. I really like this. And I'll tell you what, maybe Miss Tom Phillips. I really, really liked Tom Phillips. He was just a nice, steady pair of hands. I bet he caresses a bollock lovely. Oh, yeah. Just a real, a real good, sturdy man. He's got some great facial expressions in this as well. He just engages. 
This is as good a backstage segment that doesn't really reference a match or anything. I know they're talking about Jericho winning it, but they're not actually like, they're not building anything in the match. They're just having a little gab. I thought this, I thought this was great stuff. You can tell the, the, the chemistry between Jericho and Owens mm. is there straight away. It's still a while, yeah. isn't it, before they do the whole, you know, the festival of friendship and all that, all that stuff that was really good. But you can just tell they, they just get each other, don't they? Um, do you have any thoughts on this, Matt? And to, to be honest, I, not much more than what you guys said. I, I can't say I was that as high on it as you guys. I mean, it was fine. Literally, for me, it was just it was there. It was okay. Hey! This Happy is Tom days. Phillips. <laughs> you pay your I, respects to the great man. <laughs> I think I, I need I need these moments during shows, especially when it's long. This is a three and a half hour show, an unnecessarily long show for what for what we get. And I need these little kind of just these these little palate cleansers between matches just to just to keep me entertained. That's why sometimes I do struggle with some of like the NXT shows or if you get like some of the old WCW shows we watch where it's just match, 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 match. So I need these little daft things anyway in the in, in just to just to reset me a little bit. What would you use as a palate cleanser, you lads. So if you were like out for a meal, you're out for like a little fancy meal. So they're like, like you need to need to clear your palate. A nice limoncello, I think. Yeah. Nice shot of limoncello, lovely stuff. Mm. I I'd go a sorbet, and it'd oh, probably yeah. be it'd probably be lemon, yeah. Mm. Just because it kind of melt, it w- won't be raspberry, too strong. Not too not strong, too. No, it's too, it's just too 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 strong, too strong. Yeah, you're not going for it. Not going for a shot of sperm, old man. And before any of you perverts get all <laughs> about it, I'm not talking about actual sperm. When we were in Split on our friend friend of the show Johnny's uh, stag weekend, there was a shot which was tequila, vodka, and some kind of whipped cream, and it was called sperm. <laughs> Every now and again, and you I just think, drank it. Yeah, I just think yeah. about my mate Ken just saying to the waiter, "Can I have six shots of sperm, please?" Let me tell you, if I, if I was in any bar. And one of the labels was on the shots was sperm. I'd be staying the hell away from it. <laughs> well, it's fucking awful. Unfortunately, mate, that's what we're bringing to Cardiff. Yeah, we're bringing loads of sperm. You're gonna have to bring yeah. it because let me tell you, they do not do that in bars in Cardiff. <laughs> Get your socks on your cocks, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Random Wrestling Review. I'm your host, Tom Zenk-Smith, and I'm joined by Sam Houston Carey, a.k.a. Old Man. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. It's always good to be named after a city in the great state of Texas. Exactly. And a, uh, and a hell of a worker, Sam Houston, back in the he day. He was. Yeah, yeah. I, I always thought he was an actor. Really? Yeah, yeah. He's not named like one. You think you put him in the, like, the Rock Hudson kind of category, wouldn't you? Like somebody made like these amaz- amazing like 70s action films that are crap yeah. and slightly misogynistic. Yeah, Sam Houston was the former governor of Texas as well. Really? And he uh, he was definitely misogynistic, I'd imagine. <laughs> and I imagine. And I don't know, it'd be weird if he was like the governor of like Pennsylvania being called yeah. Houston as well. He probably wouldn't allow it in America. That's probably one of those weird rules they've got in America where they wouldn't like do that. Hey, what's your name, kiddo? My surname's Houston, sir. Get out of our great state of Pennsylvania, bitch! Because <laughs> that's talking Pennsylvania. Very strong southern accent in the northeastern yeah. state of Pennsylvania. And also, uh, putting up with all that barrage of verbal diarrhea for myself and old man, is Matt Riddle-Roberts. How are you doing, buddy? You and gentlemen, I'm good. How are we doing? Are we ready and rearing? Okay, do you know what? I haven't been, been honoured to have the salute. Yeah, that was lovely. <laughs> 
enjoyed yeah. that. So we've got a couple of things. So I've got a game, which is my one. Um, so uh, I don't again. I don't even think I've done a game with you either, Matt. So this is going to be quite interesting. But I, I have got a slight, a slight kind of topic I want to talk about as well. But before we do that, it's a reminder to everyone's listening. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at rwrpoduk, and you can also find us on Facebook and on YouTube as well. So. I've got some conflicting opinions about, well, not conflicting opinions, I just think money in the bank shit as a concept now. I think it's a bit lazy. But I just wanted to know what you guys think of it and if there's anything you might do to maybe improve or change the way the money in the bank is dealt with or the way it's booked or the way they utilise it. What are you thinking? What were your thoughts about this, old man? I know what you're saying. I do kind of kind of agree. I think the problem is, is what they do is they always book themselves into a corner because they never just have like the night after money in the bank it's never just oh i'm bob who won money in the bank last night it's just having a match it's always like oh money in the bank holder holder of the money in the bank briefcase so you're constantly reminded and what i'd really love is if someone just won it and then they didn't mention it and they didn't even allow people like people don't know because people aren't completely stupid most of the time but uh they'd know that he had it or she had it but it wouldn't be rammed down your throat. And they always do it. They always talk about it. So you know something's going to happen. So when I used to watch regularly, I don't know if they still do this, but you'd get the little drip of they'd just be like, suddenly it'd be like, oh, and uh, Money in the Bank holder, Jack Swagger there. There he is. Suddenly suddenly carrying his briefcase around for, for reasons we don't know, even though he hasn't done it for weeks. And then sure enough, two weeks later, he cashes in and Jack Swagger's world champion. I think when you get that outcome, you've really got to get rid of money in the bank. <laughs> but yeah, I in terms of how you'd mix up, that would be the way. But I also feel like it's it's an event, isn't it? It's a thing. I don't think that they should have a money in the bank named pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like that is lazy. But they also do it with so many others as well. I, I just miss all the old pay-per-view names. We'll go back to that later. Matt, what are your thoughts, mate? Do you know what? There's so much that you can say about this. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, we, we, oh God, we don't even start. Do you know what? In terms of, of what you probably should do or what they should probably do at this point, and I want to make this distinction clear from the gecko as well, that this is for the men's money in the bank, right? Mm-hmm. Because I still think the women's one has got legs at this point. It's still relatively new and fresh. So I still think the women's one has got legs, right? So as far as the men's money in the bank ladder match goes and the concept as a whole, time to scrap it. I'm so glad it was this show that we looked at as well, this um, in particular Money in the Bank show, because I think this is where the Money in the Bank gimmick for the men peaked. You look at the winners after this over the next couple of years. There was Braun Strowman. There was, I believe, Baron Corbin. Fucking right there was. <laughs> yep. Don't get me wrong, this was during the pandemic as well, and he was kind of over at the point, so you have to forgive it, but Otis, Mm. (laughs) these are hardly your your building blocks for the future, these guys, are they? Mm. You know, and and that's what the whole thing was meant to be. You know, when when you look back to, you know, some of the guys who previously had it right at the beginning, you know, you had guys like Edge, who was his first title reign, you know, you had... RVD, who was his first first title reign, and he, you know, he won the title at ECW One Night Stand, which who could forget that, you know? It, it was a special thing. It's not anymore. It, it's literally just become a thing where maybe the night after Raw, just to give everybody, you know, a, a little bit of a moment, we, we might have Dolph Ziggler cash it in, or, you know, Sheamus might cash it in, something like that. It's, just, it, it, it's no longer special, and it is time for it to go. The pay-per-view, 
it's you know it has become a big event and i think that's part of the problem as well because the pay-per-view itself people view it as bigger and than some of the other shows and it's one of the top four of the year you know of the the so-called big four you know i think a lot of people would be upset if you got rid of it but you know what it's it is time time to hit the reset button but i, I agree with both of you on that front i, I would get rid of the actual named pay-per-view i think that's probably quite telling in the fact that they they thought they could sell out an arena a stadium in vegas didn't they and ended up having to move it to arena so we're clearly not alone in that um idea the other thing i thought about was that maybe you could if you're going to use it as a way of genuinely trying to build new stars then Maybe you could, I thought about maybe getting rid of it and bringing back the King of the Ring pay-per-view and having a alternating years King slash Queen of the Ring and have a Money in the Bank match as part of that for the other gender. So say, for example, we've got the King of the Ring, um, but then you've also got the Ladies Money in the Bank ladder match in there. And you could kind of do it like that. So you get you still have a new number one contender for both the men and the women's titles at the end of the pay-per-view, but they've both gone about it in different ways. The other thing I thought, mm. if they do insist on keeping it as it is, I like the idea as well. You couldn't do this all the time, but just to mix up and change it a little bit, you could have like a dastardly heel champion, get, like speak to whoever the, the authority figure or whatever is, and make people announce when they're going to cash it in if they win. So you could have, you know, something on Raw where you could have like one wrestler say, I'm going to cash it in at WrestleMania. So that's your kind of WrestleMania, one of your WrestleMania matches already booked almost a year in advance, that person against whoever the champion is. Or you could do someone who's like, well, now I'm going to cash it in on the night if I win, or I'm going to cash it in on the Monday Night Raw the following day. And you could build like individual kind of character arcs throughout the, the, the build up to the match and make it a bit more interesting rather than it just feeling like six people just lumped together in a match. I just thought that might be an interesting way to, to freshen it up at least. I guess see like the setting up of a rest meme, I wouldn't have any interest in that because I think that would be so it's so difficult to do because you're also then like so this is a June pay-per-view even if it was September or October you've then got six months but the person that is holding it if I was that person I'd be like cool I'm going to set out this next six months because I don't want to get injured now that that obviously isn't ever going to happen but you then have to shoehorn them into other stories as well as like well why is this person getting involved with this person when all they're doing is waiting for their title shot but ultimately you could have it so that they don't win it but they just say that's what they want to do and then you could have a store done built into that person trying to get themselves into the main event at wrestlemania later on you know something like that. just anything yeah. to basically make it not what it is now which is six random people were chucked into a match that randomly get a title shot that you know what i mean just to make it a bit different yeah the, the, the one thing about this show is at least one of the people has a reason for being there and there's actually like a story within it I must say there are three people in there, you know, Alberto Del Rio, Cesaro and Sami Zayn, who should be nowhere fucking near it. Like in terms of, and I think that's to your point, Tommy, as well, like like Del Rio's music. I quite like Cesaro, really like Sami Zayn. But please, come on. These guys shouldn't be leaned on to get mm. this match. And I think that's the problem, isn't it? Is that like, it's the old Shelton Benjamin push, isn't it? Where like every every year, a month before Money in the Bank, it'd be like, oh, it's some Shelton Benjamin. <gasps> Shelton Benjamin's here. I can't believe it. Do you remember how good Shelton Benjamin is? Because he's going to do some cracking spots. And he always delivered, Shelton. I think whichever way you're doing it, you're booking yourself into a fucking state, aren't you? Mm. Booking yourself into a, basically a shitty pair of pants. Which, let's face it, we've all done, haven't we? Yeah, fucking right. <laughs> Have we ever? <laughs> so, uh, a lovely segue back to what you said earlier about Old Man, about just missing the old pay-per-views. Mm. Right. 
I want you guys as part of the game. Oh, I just feel what the game is. Oh, yes. There, there are 40, no, there's more. That's 58 different answers. So this could be a absolute bashing of a game. To tell me all the WWF premium live events that are on the WWE network. So this is if you go into the WWE network, go into premium like premium live and go through all of the current ones and the previous ones. This obviously does not include WCW or original ECW. Does anybody have any questions before we go any further? I'm about to get my ass kicked. <laughs> I don't know, mate. There's, I tell you, there's a couple of great names on there as well. Some really dodgy pay-per-views. So I don't. I'm guessing that in your house subtitles are included. No. Cool. No. no. I'm glad that. Oh, that that makes it a bit tougher. You might have a chance, Matt. We still got 58 answers that you can go through. So yeah. So we can go start. I'm going to start uh, with Matt. Matt, you can go first, mate. I'm going to try and think of something really obscure just to be, just to try and get him out of the way. Do you know what? Great balls of fire. Great balls of fire. Yes, you're correct, Matt. Uh, I will go, and it'll get a shout out later on as well. Battleground. Oh yeah, big battleground guy, aren't you, old man? Oh, fine. I, I'm probably the biggest battleground guy in the business, to be honest. <laughs> uh, Matt. Breaking point. Oh, hang on. Yes, yes, there is now it, on the WWE network. It's WWE breaking point. Oh fuck God. But that's, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take I'm it. Pedantic. Come on. Well, well, you know it's WWE Great Balls of Fire as well. No, it's not. Yeah but, yeah, but it is in the grand title of it. Yeah, but they, they've got some weird pay-per-views that they've called WWE something, yeah. but a lot of them don't. It's very weird. Anyway, that's enough of that. Uh, WrestleMania. Not on the list, mate. Oh, nah, oh, I'm, just I'm just joshing. <laughs> yeah, kid. Capital Punishment. That's a lovely show. Again, WWE. Oh, mate. No, that's definitely right. I'm sure that's the name of it, yeah. It's Capital Carnage. No, it's it is not. It's Capital Carnage. Yeah. But that's not the one I named. No, yeah. yeah cause it, no, it is, because it's headlined by Cena and R-Truth, isn't it? That's 100% correct. Fine. All right, you'll have it. Yeah. Boom. Because then, yeah. then the enemy's sticking up for you. <laughs> yeah. Well done, old man. Right. I'll go... Uh, I hope I didn't get one of these from Matt, given I've just given him a hand. Backlash. Again, weirdly now called WWE Backlash. Okay, if you beat me, maybe I'm going to come back for some WWE Payback. Oh, <laughs> lovely. That's, that's Tom's favourite. <laughs> uh, money, 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 how about some Royal Rumble? Yeah, that, that is the real, that is the best one though, isn't it? That's the fucking daddy, that isn't it? That's the real granddaddy of them all. Uh, I will go if we're getting the big four out of the way. I'll go Survivor Series. Yeah, a shadow of its former self, unfortunately. My mm. beloved Survivor Series is, is barely exists anymore. I will see your Survivor Series and raise you a SummerSlam. Lovely, lovely. Hmm. You you could do that, but I'm going to show you no mercy. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> well, it's almost like you might be <laughs> unforgiven. Oh, that's lovely. I'm loving, I'm loving the way you guys are working these into, into your picks. <laughs> well, it's because we don't want the other to win and get the bragging rights. <laughs> Again, WWE bragging rights. Right. Fucking hell, bragging rights. <laughs> bragging rights! <laughs> the bragging rights, man! All right, Neville. <laughs> Well, if you get the bragging rights, maybe they'll end up being a rebellion. Oh, oh yes. There you go. That's correct. Well, 
I suppose given that that one was in Britain, maybe they could, should have got the crown jewels. Do you know what? Bloody is. Yeah, 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 right, it is. But I was surprised. <laughs> I didn't know if that one was on. Is that one of the um the Jeddah ones? Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised that was on there. I thought it would have been like a network special or something. Starting to draw draw some blanks now. Um, let's try let's try something a bit obscure again. Let's try Roadblock. Oh, oh yes, that's <laughs> outstanding. Again, WWE Roadblock, semicolon, end of the line. Oh, I was going to say, don't dare say it's that stupid end of the line version. Yeah, but there you go. King of the Ring. Yes, the one they should bring back. The fifth best pay-per-view. Uh, 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 how about an invasion? Yes. Ooh. Only one, I believe, wasn't there? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, unbelievably, there was only one Great Ball Safari as well. <laughs> I will go Judgment Day. Yep. Judgment Day, because they don't put the E in it, fucking idiots. Insurrection. Yep. Oh, Beautiful. Man. You're, you're reaching back into the attitude era of some of these, aren't you? Yeah. I, yeah. I can't even spell that. <laughs> Insurrecton. I will go Extreme Rules. Oh, yes. We watched one of them quite recently. Again, WWE Extreme Rules. They've got a real, like, there's no kind of logic to no. what ones they decide to put WWE in front of. Oh dear, this is where my mind really does start to go blank. Ah, you've got you've got it, Matt. You've got it, mate. Oh, WWE ones only, yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Do you know what? I might try I might try and bend the rules a little here because I'm sure they've had one under this name. How about one night stand? Yep. Because they, they are WWE ECW, so yeah. yeah. There we go. That was that was my next one. I will go Super Showdown. Yes. That's on there as well. WWE Super Showdown, old man. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, man, old oh man, I think you've got me here. Oh, my God, I can't think of any. Yeah, I draw a blank. Is that it? You let an old man be the winner? I mean, unless I can name one that hasn't happened yet that is about to. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bollocks. Oh. Old man, yeah, that's yours. And old man's won. So what else have you got, old man, just for fun? Elimination Chamber, Hell in a Cell. Those were the two I had. I think a couple more would have come to me, but I got those in the time that Matt was thinking. Right. So we've got Armageddon, Bad Blood, Big Event, Breakdown, Clash of Champions, Cyber Sunday, ECW, December to to this member, Fatal 4-Way, Fully Loaded, Greatest Royal Rumble, In Your House, New Year's Revolution, Night of Champion, No Mercy UK, No Way Out, One Night Only, Over the Edge, Over the Limit, Rock Bottom, St. Valentine's Day Massacre, Taboo Tuesday, The Bash, Ingla Bishop, The Wrestling Classic, This Tuesday in Texas, TLC, Vengeance, Day One, Evolution, Fastlane, Stomping Grounds, and The Great American Bash, Ingla Bishop. Great American Bash in the Bishop. There's some absolute rotters in there. Love it. Ugh. What's quite interesting is that Rock Bottom and St. Valentine's Day Massacre were advertisers in your houses at the time, I can remember. Yeah, I don't know why he did on there. Yeah, it's weird, say, isn't it? I think it's the same with Breakdown as well. I think Breakdown was in your house as well. Yeah, so there we go. There we go. No consistencies in there. Uh, for some reason, I've got Mike Kyoda's Wikipedia page open in the background from earlier. Don't know why that's open, but there we go. It's a little insight into the sort of things I look at during the day. Um, yeah, I mean, in fairness, we're lucky it was that. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I, I was actually trying to write my chode. And it ended up coming up <laughs> like Tudor. So it's very disappointing. In terms of our expectations, then, should we start there? Should we start with you, Matt? What are your expectations of this show? 
Do you know, like, like you said, I mean, in general, um, I've been a big fan of the Money in the Bank concept and the pay-per-view for, for quite a while. So uh, up until, like I said, this show, where I pretty much felt that it peaked, I was thinking this probably should be pretty good because nearly every year the ladder matches are nearly always good. It's become one of the bigger shows over the last couple of years. So, you know, seeing that this was going to be what we were looking at, I thought, you know what? Odds are it's probably going to be a good show. Whether or not that turned out to be the case, keep listening. Whoa. Tease, little teaser. I thought this was going to be so average. I could only imagine it being that. I was expecting it to be bad. I was expecting it to be a passable effort. And one of those where you go, well, they tried hard. But I wasn't expecting a whole lot of uh, jumping up and down on my sofa. No. Is there a lot of that going on, Tim, really? No, not really. And if, to be honest, if someone did it on my sofa, I'd be like, please, it's been through a lot. I fart on it, sleep on it every now and then. It's been through a lot. <laughs> it's been through a lot. What do you reckon the sofa prefers? Farting or sleeping. Yeah. Whilst every now and then, you might combine the two. <laughs> oh, speaking of, my sister got married, what will be now be a month ago. And uh, I came back and my flat is basically all windows at the front. So, like, you remember when I had that face of seeing, seeing James Truepenny outside? And I saw Matt Roberts outside as well that time. <laughs> Not with their right? Yeah, so got back about half one in the morning. It's fucking roasting in my flat. Absolutely roasting. So I go into my bedroom. I'm like, oh, fuck me. It's all right, yeah. So I take my suit off. Take my little suit off. Get down into my little boxes. Get into bed. I'm like, oh, could have got to sleep now. This would be nice. Woke up about four in the morning. I'm led on the sofa. <laughs> I'm like... What the fuck's happened here? I was like, this is very strange. So I fell asleep. I then was like, right, I'm going to go back to bed. It must be 30 degrees in my bedroom. Oof. It was so fucking hot. I still went back to bed. Don't know why. Woke up drier than a prune that's been in the sun for a long time. Well, your sweat, sweat glands not working? Or did you sweat it all out? I think well, I sweat all out, I reckon. <laughs> I reckon my sweat glands were drier than a raisin in the sun. Okay, <laughs> lovely stuff. Um, so uh, <laughs> uh, my expectations were very not high at all, to be perfectly honest. So this is, pro- I've said this before. Anything basically after WrestleMania 30, uh, push 31 through to basically now, I don't care about anything. I don't find it. I do not find it good. I don't find anything interesting. And like Tinky said it before, the more polished and the more produced, the less I seem to enjoy it. Um, so I wasn't looking forward to this. I was expecting a, a quote unquote wow moment from Kofi, John Marston, Shelton Benjamin, or Ricochet, depending on who's on the roster, because there's always one. I wasn't sure who'd be on the commentary team, but I was expecting Booker T to be talking some absolute gibberish and Dean Ambrose to do something that I'm find irritating and i was i genuinely i tried to come even these shows that i come in with a with a predisposition to disliking i try and think of something that i'm going to look forward to and i genuinely couldn't for this one and i can't believe that tinky asked me to do this show because he knows how i feel about it yeah um, he's horrible now isn't he he is isn't he he is a nasty mm. piece of work for it i don't know why i'm still friends with him to be honest um but anyway um on to the actual show then so we usually go for our talking points so, uh, old man, what are your talking points about this? I'm going to go for your friend and ours, Barry Corbin. Mm, yeah. Because uh, he's in a lovely little match here against Devious Dolph, which I, when this started, I was like, Tommy, mm. he must be in heaven. He's like Brian Adams, because he was finding it hard to believe he's in heaven. 
<laughs> um, do you want me to? All right, I'll do this. I'll quickly go through the end. Come on, get on with it then. <laughs> all right, so yeah, Baron Corbin versus Dolph Ziggler. The match goes on for 12 minutes and 25 seconds, and Corbin wins via the end of days after Zolf. Zolf? Yeah, why not? <laughs> after, after Zolf absolutely stacks it off the top rope. There you go, man. There's your yeah. fucking lab, you prick. Lovely, lovely. I'm going to fucking dunk all over that. So, Corbin is introduced as the Andre the Giant Battle Royal winner. I mean, as accolades go, pretty big, I think. As Dolph Ziggler gets what I'm now terming the commentator's entrance, which is when they come down, they get halfway through their entrance, and then they introduce all of the uh, international commentators, and they run down the line. You get all your boys, Shung Deng, Funaki, some other people all get introduced whilst Dolph Ziggler is just there shaking his ass, doing his little hair thing and then standing on the rope trying to look interesting. So we've got this is Corbin where he's being put over big by old JBL, who is on commentary with Cole and Saxton. A bit more on them later, I reckon. Mm. But uh, yeah, he's getting put over big, getting put over big. And he's very much got the uh, new guy on the roster feud in that he's fighting Dolph Ziggler who is this safe pair of hands that everyone seems to get when they come up from NXT they get you know well apart from like unless you're extra special like Kevin Owens you get the Ziggler feud and then you have a little run with him you have maybe one or two matches with him and uh that's exactly what he gets here now as Tommy said this gives 12 minutes I must say I got six minutes into this and I was like holy fuck like, this is the second match on the card. I was like, this is not good in any way, shape or form. Like, it is Ziggler playing the Hogan role in that he's basically just getting beaten up for these six or seven minutes. The crowd was a little boring chant. Mm. Now, ordinarily, I'd be like, you show some fucking respect. I'll tell you, they weren't bloody wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but something happens. I don't know whether they piss these guys off, but suddenly they kick it in. They kick in a a bit of urgency, not a huge amount, don't get me wrong, because Corbin is not the kind of guy who's going to go at 100 miles an hour, but they get a little bit of life into it, and then it finishes. About six minutes after I thought I was going to kill myself, I was like, oh, that's done. That was adequate. I'll take that. And then all I could think was, I'm glad Corbin cut his hair, because mm. his hair is absolutely horrendous. And then all I could think was, you know what? This is Barry Corbin all over. This is an incredibly average match, but there's nothing wrong with it. It's not very good, but it's not bad either, because there's nothing inherently wrong with it. It's not very entertaining, but there's nothing bad about it. And the crowd even managed to pop at the end. But yeah, I just thought, you know what, Corbin, he's done better than his brother Jeremy, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he certainly has. I mean, the thing is with, with Baron Corbin, he's fucking Teflon again, isn't he? I think he yeah. is basically like like uh, we've often discussed with the Miz, you know, with other people, is that he will be around in WWE forever because he just doesn't care about making it to show ass, as Tinky loves to say, to make a tit of himself. He's he's mm. completely happy to do that and do whatever is required from him. So that's why he'll be around for ages. What did you what's your, what are your thoughts on this, uh, Matty? Do, do you know what? I, I, I don't think I could have put it any better there than the old man just said, and that it wasn't good, it wasn't bad. It, it was, it was kind of just there. I mean, yeah, the the first you know couple of minutes of it, it was literally dull as hell, and then they did, to be fair, you know, like I said, give the the devil their dues. 
they did try to pick it up. It wasn't to my personal taste. However, the one thing I will say I did find absolutely hilarious, and I'm hoping you guys noticed it as well, was the clear botch where Dolph went to run round the ring and sort of tripped mm. on the stairs. <laughs> I just sort of fell into Corbin's arms. I burst out laughing at that. So that was, for me, was easily the most memorable thing of the match, which doesn't that just say at all. But, like... I, I've talked about Dolph on this show before, and I, I think people know where I stand with him. He's he's just a guy who's just been around forever. It's just got to the point where his music hits. I'm like, okay, I'm either falling asleep or it's like, right, toilet break. You know the next few minutes of what he does are just not going to mean anything. I, I, hate, I almost hate to say that because I kind of feel sorry for him because at the end of the day, you know, he, he's trying his best. He's doing everything he can. He's He's doing his job. But it doesn't matter. He's been around for too long. He's not going to amount to anything that big. So I'm just like, why am I bothering? Why am I wasting my time? So when you say you go off to the toilet, we all know you mean you're going off for a tug. I knew you were about to say that. But Well, that's because you know what you do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also, uh, I I don't think you should feel bad for bashing Dolph Ziggler. Because I imagine he's a multimillionaire. (laughs) <laughs> and he's done bloody well out of this. Like, he's done bloody well. And I do think, like, I just think he's decent. But I think that's also his problem, is that yeah. he's decent. He's not He's not that level up. And they tried it. But, yeah, old, old Ziggy Ziggs, I don't mind him. That's the problem. He is just there, isn't he? Hmm. That's all he is. You, no one no one is tuning in to Raw or SmackDown or whatever show he's on to watch a Dolph Ziggler match. It's just filler, and that's all he's there for. And he's he's fairly capable in, in the ring, but there's just nothing to his character. He's not the way he kind of acts in the ring. You would imagine that he would have some kind of charisma, but he just doesn't at all, does he? Um, and also in this match as well, he's the babyface. And in what world is Dolph Ziggler a babyface? Mm. You know what I mean? He doesn't he doesn't work that way. I just said I did write a minute. So I knew this match was on the card before I started watching this. That I may have quit the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But there's a couple of little bits I've got, and I've got the note about the boring chance, and I agree entirely. I don't think I would. I don't think I'd yell that if I was in the crowd, but I'd yeah. certainly be there. I'd be looking down on the people who are doing it, probably because I'd be too cheap to pay for the good tickets. I would literally be looking down on them, but I'd be metaphorically looking down on them as well, thinking you shouldn't be doing that. But I agree with you at the same time. See, I didn't, I didn't know if that was a botch or not, Matt, when I was watching it that bit. I, I thought it may have been a really well done plot point. In the, in the thing, but you I I convinced that's a botch. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Is the way he sort of fell in, it was yeah, it was the way he sort of fell into Corbin. It to me, it, it yeah, it, it didn't look that smooth. <laughs> that's fair enough. And the but the thing I wanted to know about it is a bizarre bit of commentary from from old Sexy Saxton as well. He, there's a bit where Corbin kicks out of a famouser by Ziggler, and he says, "You can't write off Ziggler." And I was like, "What?" What does that mean? He's the one who's just done the movie. He, he's not the one that you're writing off in that stage. You'd be sure you'd be writing off Baron Corbin. Tell you what, though, he's right now. You can't as much yeah. as you try to. You can't get rid of him, can yeah. you? He's like, he's like the, the the he's like that that nugget of shit that just will not go. You flush and you flush, <laughs> and there it is, just coming back, just a hint, it's creeping out from behind the U bend. And uh, so, uh, Matt, what was your what's your talking point there? Do you know, um, my original talking point was going to be um, the sort of uh, like gimmick of Money in the Bank and that. But uh, to be honest, the one that I had in the back pocket ready to go was all John Cena, mm. believe it or not. Oh, uh, big match, John. Yeah, oh, John, John Felix Cena. 
Yes, exactly. And how it it amazes me where it's where the idea of and the whole thing about John Cena has got to at this point because people are now actively missing him. And I think I've been romanticizing the idea of John Cena not being around for ages now. And you know, it, it comes and goes all the time, you know. People will eventually catch on to certain things and it's got to that point where people now actively miss him. Now, when I was watching this match versus AJ Styles, I kind of understood why a little bit mm. because I completely forgot about the Cena AJ match of Money in the Bank. I'm sure I've seen it, but I completely forgot about it when I was watching it. And this is right from the video package all the way through to the you know the match as well. I thought it was fantastic. Before we go further, the, this match is, as uh, Matt said, it's a John Cena versus CJ Stars. It's quite a long match. It goes on for 24 minutes and 10 seconds. And the match ends when the referee is knocked down during an attitude adjustment attempt from Cena on Stars. And Anderson and Gallows come down and hit the magic killer on John Cena and AJ Stars. Really slowly crawls over to him and gets the gets the pin. And uh, JBL's very unhappy about it. So what were your thoughts then, Matt? Yeah, yeah um, like I say, just the, the, the whole presentation of it w- was just first class i mean and it's something that you very rarely see wwe do i mean they do a lot more of it now over the last couple of years like they'll acknowledge guys sort of past past companies you know i worked in ring of honor and all this but you know obviously back at that point it was something completely new and different so for you know to cena to, to cut the promo saying you know he's won as many titles you know worldwide or uh, you know, over his career as I have, that blew me away. You know, I was like, good God, for, you know, for him to, to start with that, he's clearly trying to put him over as massive as he possibly can. And just the the, the match was, and I, I love that. I love the fact that it was a big fight feel as well. And I, it, I hate the WWE uses the, they use that term far far too often when they want to push a match home that they think is a big deal. They say, oh, this has a big fight atmosphere. They don't always. This one did. This literally felt like a very big deal. And you don't get that much of that anymore. It it did kind of make me a little bit miss John Cena, which, dear God, is not something that I ever thought that I would possibly say. But you know what? It was a great match. You don't get that type of stuff on a lot of the shows today. So this was, and you know Pardon the pun, this was phenomenal. I only realised during this match that P1 on all of uh, AJ Styles' gear stands for phenomenal one. Which yeah. I, I realised that, and then I felt quite ashamed, actually. <laughs> I'm going to lie. Bear never. Yeah, exactly. And I also wondered if he gets really hot wearing gloves in the match. Because mm, I can match imagine too. he a very hot hand. Um, yeah. Old man, what are your thoughts about this? I thought this was great. And to match point, I think the thing with Cena is that everything matters. And this is, it's a match on the card and it's plonked right in the middle. And it's the biggest crowd reaction of the night. It was always going to be, which is why it's in the middle, because they don't want to take some of the shine off what they've got coming up on the card. But to your point, Matt, about the video, the video is fantastic. I can remember the build to this being really good. And it's like these little like insider things that normally I don't really go a lot on. But like AJ Styles says, guys like you bury guys like me. And what you get is you get the crowd that are just gagging for this because they want it and because they know that that's actually true. Like Cena has beaten a lot of people that have done stuff on the independents and then not really done a huge amount 
in WWE. They managed to make a contract signing interesting in the video by having the bit where it's AJ Styles with the club or just AJ Styles on his own. They made that interesting. And then you get to the match. And Cena is a guy who has a lot of criticism in the past. Don't go wrong. I've given him enough. But they get this match so perfectly right in the first eight to ten minutes in particular because you've got AJ Styles always one step ahead mm. when he's trying to wrestle Cena. And he fucking should be because Cena ain't no fucking wrestler. And they've tried to portray him as that before. And it just doesn't work. So it doesn't come across as believable. And in this, it felt very believable because Styles is like Styles is coming in basically to this point, just torn the house down every spotlight match that he's had. And they just tell a fucking lovely old story. They just tell a story and it matters. It really matters as well. And it's something that I think we don't get enough of. And this is why I think people do miss Cena is because he makes people care. And I know that we've joked on this part about how they used to say, like, any reaction is a good reaction, whether people were booing Cena or they were cheering for him. But I think when you get a crowd like this and this crowd, to their credit, they stick with some stuff that isn't very good at all. But when they're into it, that's when the crowd comes alive is because they care. They care about Cena and they care about Cena losing to AJ Styles. I think more than they care about AJ Styles because they're, they're WWE fans. And I think that adds so much. And the match itself is just, it's just first class. It's not as good as their SummerSlam match because their SummerSlam match is the infamous match where he saves John Cena from like being knocked out twice because Cena tucks his head. <laughs> instead of like putting his head back and there's what he does on the outside where he properates his head on the mat oh, no, fuck, he's, yeah. he's, too, he's too big to do that move to him yeah there is a cracking kick out from an aa the that, first one yeah that even got me and i knew who won this match as soon as it got me i was like yes they're balling me in yeah, I agree. This match is is really really good. Um, this is my match of the night. The like you said, the, my favorite bit in the build up is the the line from John Cena where he says to him, "You're gonna need to take a bullet train back to Japan because you've left your balls over there." And I thought that was brilliant because not only is there that, but there's obviously the fact that it's the bullet train as well. Just that nice little again, that little like insider thing. There's almost from my notes, I don't have too much that that, that will basically add to what you said there. But these are more like little little things that I tend to notice in the match when when uh, the bell rings. John Cena does like a little excited jump in the ring, like yes. a little toddler, which is which is amazing. <laughs> and at the beginning, there's this there's this interesting thing about John Cena where there's especially around about this period where he's, I think he's trying to prove to people that he's a good wrestler, and he's and in terms of technical, he's not a good wrestler. We all know this. And he hits some some very clunky arm drags and the slowest monkey flip out of a corner I think I've ever yeah. seen in my life as well. But <laughs> AJ Styles sells it absolutely magnificently. And there's really nice bits that like you said, old man. John Cena just don't get it. He can't figure it out and, and the and, and AJ Styles does a great job at like cutting off Cena every time. But with Cena, I get so frustrated because there are times where he's brilliant and there's times where he just does the really simple things wrong. Um, and one of the things that he quite often does at the end of the match, he does his little slam thing into the a into the five knuckle shuffle, and he always pops up straight away. In this match, he doesn't do that. This match has taken its toll on him, and he struggles to get back up for it. And then AJ starts to kicks him in the head anyway, um, and he doesn't get a chance to do it. And when he does get to do the five knuckle at the end of the match, he slams him down, and he just slowly gets up. Don't bother do the spin. Don't bother doing the five knuckle. He just goes, oh, fuck it, just falls down on him and punches him. And I just really like that. But then 
then he does like really stupid things. Like there's a bit where he takes, he goes to do like, like his leg drop off the top rope and AJ Styles catches him and power bombs him. And you can, he really clearly goes, I'm fine to the referee. And you're like, Oh, come on. Like just put your <laughs> hand over your mouth. You're not weird or something like that when you do it. Or, and from that point on, I could really see him calling the match, which is something he's been criticized of a lot. But I've never really noticed it before, but I really, really noticed it in this. And the difference between him and AJ Styles is I started watching AJ Styles when he was communicating with the ref. And admittedly, he's got long hair. So obviously that's, you know, he can you know put his head down and it covers it but he also when he's just led on the bla- on the mat on his back he just puts his hand over his mouth and starts mm. to, and it's just those little things that like you kind of oh fuck's sake john that's you've let me down there john you've let me down well, well so cedar won't make a premier league footballer will he no no exactly that's yeah, what they're doing it, just to openly communicating the one bum note of this match is the finish i think that's awful now yeah now it does set up a couple more matches between them so the next pay-per-view they have a six-man where it's the club against Enzo and Cass and Cena and then you get the SummerSlam match but it's really flat isn't it the end and it felt like a real cop-out one thing I'm gonna have to uh let's take a little break after this and wash my mouth out with soup JBL does a cracking setup for a rematch well because they show the replay and they're like he's like I don't even know if AJ Styles is aware What's going on? And then he says, he's like, I mean, there's no way Styles wants to win a match like that. There's no mm. way he wants to beat John Cena like that. And I was like, you know what? Fair play, JBL, because you're right. The thing that got me about it was the fact that they hit the magic killer and then AJ Styles slowly crawls over to him and pins him. Mm. I would at least have liked one last move from AJ Styles yeah. to do that. Because out of everything that John Cena's kicked out of, that's the move that's going to do him that stupid magic killer, which is a really crap mm. move. I think the one thing I quite like that. (laughs) Oh, really? I don't know. I'm not sure. The the one thing I also thought about during the match, it's quite a few AA attempts and the the classic reversal of to get all the way to get out of an AA is the old downwards elbows to the Mm. the head. You can always see John Cena's boxers at the top of his shorts. Give him a fucking wedgie. Just reach down (laughs) and yank it up and watch John Cena fucking split in half. It'd be amazing. Oh, imagine (laughs) that. I'm sure that'd be illegal. There was when we were at school. Me, um, the uh, old man and Tinky were at school. There was uh, the rugby team went went on a on a on a wedgie rampage, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> Around most of the school. I think the three of us all managed to avoid it as well. Yeah. I don't know how, but there was a couple of couple of break times, couple of lunch times, where it was genuinely you were looking around the corner and like scuttling across the playground and stuff, trying to get away from it. And uh, and one kid ended up having a ruptured testicle, didn't they? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Of course. yeah. Oof, imagine that. And that's what I want to do to John Cena. <laughs> the other thing as well, actually, I was just a little thought on AJ Styles. AJ Styles is magnificent as match. He truly is. And what I find really weird though about him is that he's he's an incredible wrestler and he's a he's a very good heel. I think he's a much better heel than he is a babyface. But he's got a very babyface move set. But what I like about it is that he tones it down a bit, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Then he's, he still does some of the high-flying moves, but it seems like in this match, the high-flying moves that he hits, he obviously goes for the phenomenal forearm a couple of times. He hits a, a, a beautiful 450 on Cena, which Cena actually blocks with his knees. But the technique and the uh, it looks amazing. But they all seem like, they seem like they're moves out of necessity, that he feels that he has to do rather than it just being a move to, to get himself over, you know? So, and I also realised that the AJ tattoo on his body stands for AJ as well. Mind blowing yeah. as well. <laughs> well, he, he's got the four tattoos for his kids' birth dates, hasn't he? Mm. And the last one he's got is just enormous. 
<laughs> really? right? so much bigger than the other. So I wondered if he was like, oh, whether he was thin at the time he got it or I don't know. But it's really weird because it's massive. Right? Well, that's it. That's exactly what I was going to say. If I was one of the others, I'd be like, God damn, Daddy. Why are their tattoos so big? Oh, so, like, the, the, the only tattoos he's got are in apparently the most painful place to have them yeah, as well, yeah. on your ribs. Well, that's because he's a double R bastard. That's true. That's true. Silly fuck. Um, so um, my talking point on this is just it's a quick one, really, because I don't want to don't want to take up too much time. But I feel that you kind of spoke about the crowd earlier, old man. Mm. I, I wasn't a big fan of this crowd. If I'm being honest, I thought they were they were really quiet, weren't into it, and seemed to be quite quick to boo or be a bit belligerent mm. through the match. And I wasn't. Maybe it's a Vegas thing. I think I think when you have things in Vegas, it's a bit strange because it's always people who generally are like tourists, aren't they, rather than the people that actually live there. And I wonder if the same thing applies to like Las Vegas wrestling events because you quite often get if it's more like a destination pay per view, so people go to Las Vegas to watch a WWF event and make a weekend out of it, rather than it being like a hometown crowd. Because you do get in certain cities, you get like more partisan crowd based on where you are. So for example, you know, like with your New York, your your Philadelphia, your Chicago crowds, they're always going to be quite raucous and quite big. And you know, and if there's usually a wrestler from a hometown playing somewhere, they're going to get you know cheered regardless of their regardless of their status on the field like the, what we talked about extreme rules didn't we the other week old man and rich swan was on there because it was in baltimore and he was from baltimore you know but you're not going to get anything like that generally with a vegas with the vegas crowd and i wonder if that might play into why i thought it was a bit i don't know it's a bit a bit quiet and a bit unusual in certain points but well, Ian ambrose is from vegas hmm, that's interesting i didn't know that is he Yes, he is, yeah. Is he originally there, or did he move there? I, I'm not sure, but I know he lives in Vegas. I, yeah, I, yeah I, I'm sure he was from somewhere, but yeah. He no, did. Cincinnati, isn't he? He's from Cincinnati, Dayton, Ohio. Ohio. Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, but, but he's lived in Vegas for years. So that's that's why he gets... That's why he gets the rub. See, I don't. I, is it? I, I don't know. I didn't know if they were just yeah. pushing him in that way, and that was his face. Because we were again, we took, spoke on that Extreme Rules 2017 card, and we were talking. They were talking about shortly after, or not shortly after, but after the breakup of the Shield, that the that Dean Ambrose kind of came out of it as the most over person. And I wonder if that was still during that phase of it, or do you think? Or what you're saying is that you think it's because of the fact that it was in Vegas that he's getting the bigger crowd reactions. Oh, I, I think 100%. Because I, as much as I think he was incredibly popular with the crowd at this point, I mean, there's also like, we're not going to roll it. We're not going to roll it because we'll get there. But there's something that happens at the end of the show that is designed specifically to get the pop and the rub on him. Mm, no pop and, and rub. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no, there's no better place to do it than in someone's now hometown. You and know, for once, they get it yeah. right. So, you know, I don't think it, it's got anything to do with it being his hometown, to be honest. Um, it, it was just more like he was like one of the most over guys they had at that point. And, the, and particularly the idea of, you know, the Shield as a whole or the Shield guys, it was still relatively fresh from them breaking up. So all three of them were still massively over. So I, I just feel it was a bit of that. And as far as like the, the crowd reaction particularly with the the Cena AJ match, there is something I very briefly forgot to mention there, is that I do felt that they peaked, actually, at the first AA, the Cena hit, that AJ kicked out of. And I actually, watching it, I thought that was the finish. And I bought that as the finish. And I would have had no problem, to be honest, if they ended it then and there. It's only just a couple of minutes short. But I think they easily could have ended it there and still had more to give. But I do feel the crowd burnt out a little bit just after that. So 
That was probably their peak. I mean, imagine being the poor cunts in the match to follow that. But I'm sure we can talk about that later. Well, well, there is a very, there's a very intense, probably 50, 55 minutes on this card that I do agree with you, Matt. I think it really takes the crowd a while to recover. Mm. And like probably until about 15 minutes into the main event, until they then go like, so it's just like, oi, Marjorie, wake up. All right, fuck off. <laughs> oh, there's some wrestling going on. Oh, bloody heck. Oh, you shit yourself, Stan. Well, we'll need to talk more about Stan and Marjorie later on as we go on. But for now, we'll just take a quick little break and then we'll come back and do our rundown of the show. Yes, yes. That's good. Good timing. I need a week. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my guest, Dean Ambrose. Dean, tonight you have the opportunity to win the Money in the Bank contract. What is your strategy going into a ladder match against five other superstars? Strategy? Yeah, I'm not really a strategy kind of guy. See, strategy assumes that in Money in the Bank ladder match, you can maybe avoid falling off a 15-foot ladder, that you can maybe avoid your body crashing and burning into cold hard steel, that you can maybe avoid risking life and limb. But there ain't none of that. There's none of that tonight. Money in the Bank, baby, it's the jungle. There's only one law in the jungle. There is no fear and there is no hesitation. Only one thing exists in the jungle, and that's that money in the bank briefcase. That's that contract. And that briefcase is mine. There is no fear. There is no hesitation. That contract tonight is mine. And when it's all said and done and it's all over, everything I've been through, every time I've ever fallen off a ladder, every time I've been attacked and beaten up with a steel chair, half to death, it's all going to be worth it. Tonight, I'm the king of the jungle. Dean, do you have a comment on the WWE title match tonight between your former brothers-in-arms, Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns? Not really. I'm sure Roman's going to have a good time beating up Seth. Beating up Seth's fun. Trust me, I know. Welcome back, everyone. Um, so, we start off the show with the old cunts now forever a bit at the beginning which we always get and we get the pre-event video about money in the bank being in las vegas and there being lots of money and poker chips flying around and whatnot we then find out that we've got john cena versus aj and uh, roman reigns versus seth rollins later on uh, again probably i'm assuming that happened quite a few times at this point but i wasn't sure sure and one thing i did notice actually in this thing all of the the dialogue between seth and roman seems so painfully wooden at this stage because neither of them, I don't think, were particularly good on the mic at this point. No, it's not. It's not the smoothest. I also think that they've got a major problem in that, as we've said in the first part, Cena and Styles are on fire at this point mm. in, in their interactions, and you've kind of got that juxtaposition where it's like, oh yeah, I'm fucking bang up for that, and then you go, yeah, I'm, I'm going to beat you, yeah, because so, you never beat me, so I'm going to beat you, and then Roman Reigns is like, oh no, I'm going to beat you. You don't need to, Roman. Don't worry about it. That's basically it. Yeah. yeah. That's basically it. Um, And then we get the now iconic money. Money, 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 money. Then the beat kicks in, and then that's usually at the point when, like, the you know the commentators start waffling about it. But there's one bit where someone just goes supermodels. Ah, yeah, that's a classic. So this is coming from Las Vegas, as we said earlier, the the T-Mobile arena in Las Vegas, as they call it. Um, we are joined by old Sexy Saxon, 
Michael Cole and JBR on comms. Saxton is wearing a hideous luminous green shirt, which I actually quite respect. And it's also taking place on Father's Day. So, old man, you've been known to be quite, uh, you know, not a big fan of uh, of, of Mother's Day, uh, especially when it comes to wrestling events. How are you feeling no, about Father's Day? Fucking worse, if anything. And I'll tell you what, a bit later on is my... Ooh. I'll tell you what, we'll fucking get there. I'm going to try and keep it. Oh, bloody heck. Oh, he is. His blood is absolutely boiling. Blood is boiling like piss. (laughs) You almost turned into a a bin wrestler then for a moment, old man. I did, yeah. Well, that's that's what I want to do. That's what Um, I want to do with me life. (laughs) So we get the first match, um, which is Enzo Amore, Big Cass, versus Gallows and Anderson, versus The New Day, versus The Vault Villains in a four-way tag team match for the championship, which is held by the New Day. So I started watching this before I realised I was the host, and I haven't actually got a note of how it ends. All I've got written is that Kofi pins Aiden English after he's been down for ages. Uh, <laughs> but can anybody remember what that was? It was the it was the New Day's finish, I think. If I remember at the time, I think it was the Midnight Hour, they called it, which is kind of mm. like Big E's big ending. It's, it's an assisted Big E big ending, basically. Mm. And they had the, the pin on in English. Ah, lovely stuff. Well, actually, as you have you already delightfully walked us through the ending there, Matt, uh, do you want to tell us your thoughts on the match? Why not? When I saw all the teams that were listed for this, I was really surprised, actually, because I completely forgot about half of them. And it seemed like they actually had quite a few teams at the time, which I can't ever remember a time over the last 10, 20 years where there was actually that many tag teams at one go because they just very rarely is. So that certainly surprised me. And I got to be honest now, I'm going to start by saying that I don't know the whole story with what Enzo was supposed to have done. I know there was allegations made against him a couple of years ago. No idea. Not remotely going anywhere near that. Talking about Enzo, the performer only. Mm-hmm. I loved Enzo and Cass as a tag team. I got to be honest. I thought they were so dripping with charisma. The second and like the second the pair of them come out, the energy for the show for me was just off the charts straight away. So for you know for a start of a show, I thought that was great. But then the other teams came out. I absolutely despised the New Day. <laughs> Not really. As yeah, as as some people may know, I really can't stand the New Day. And the second their music hit, I just immediately sort of switched off. They're not for me. They're, their gimmick for me just died a long time ago. And it's just they're riding the coattails of something that just is no longer there. The match itself was OK. It, it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. I mean, they certainly tried, you know, they, they tried to get the, you know, the multi-man spots in there uh, to make it somewhat interesting. Like I said, it, it wasn't the best, but there was there was there was enough going in there to keep me vaguely entertained for, for the time that it was on. So it was OK. But like I said, for me, it was just the highlights were were Enzo and Cass. So you, you got Enzo and the Cassinator. They come out on cassette, as we'll call him. Big pop, as you said, Matt. Crowd absolutely love him. They do their stick. And then, yeah, and then Enzo does what he does, and he cuts a promo, and he is one of the worst promos that they have ever heard. This is <laughs> the second time again. So he just talks bollocks. I was going to say, so sorry to interrupt you there, old man. Are we talking verbiage or delivery? Uh, verbiage, definitely. And you know what? Also, actually, when he's just cutting the promo, his delivery is dreadful at points because the jokes. In inverted commas, 
don't land at all. And they're, to be honest, they're not funny. And I know. Talking about a man who makes many unfunny jokes. <laughs> and you've got to fucking, you can't, you can't stop. You can't pause. You just fucking roll with it. You forward roll down that hill until you get to the bottom or what you think's the bottom. And then you keep going. <laughs> keep going. And then the full villains come out looking very dapper, it must be said. Mm. Uh, old uh, Simon Gotch, in particular, and then I realised, oh no, he's just wearing pants. <laughs> and then I was just laughing about that, because he's wearing this <laughs> lovely, lovely jacket. It's really nice jacket. They both are wearing the same kind of jacket. I fucking can't stop saying jacket, lads. I've got jackets or it. <laughs> I'm like fucking Tim Tinky the other week when he said big with Bam Bam Bigelow about a thousand times. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then you've got Gallows and Anderson. We've talked about Gallows a lot on here. We forgot to mention this. So in the Cena match, after you come down and hit the fucking magic twat or whatever it's called, they <laughs> and they then run to the back. He can't run. <laughs> like he like he can he runs like he's just shit himself. Because he can't um it looks like he might have some knee troubles. He's got a large fella as well, but he can't really run. And uh they're not very good. And then the new day come out and uh what they do, so they cut a little promo. When they come out, oh, and 90 seconds, two minutes. It's a masterclass in how to pick apart your opponents without shitting on them. I know you don't like them, Matt, but they pick each team apart and they mock them. And it felt like what they were doing is they were going, hey, Enzo, this is how you actually fucking do it. Mm. Like, this is how you put something coherent together. I like the new day. I quite liked Enzo and Big Cast when they first came in, I must say, because I like that whole thing. When they got into the promo thing i don't really like that and then enzo just became an absolute cock end in terms of his like the way he behaved but in terms of the match the thing that the crowd are looking for from this match which i must say really caught me off guard they want enzo and Big E to go against each other sorry not enzo big cast oh mm. cassette they want cassette and big cd to go up against each other in a battle of the 90s but they tease it and then they get broken apart. And it's like, oh, cool, that's good. This will be the thing, like running through this match. It isn't. Because next time they get to face off, they just face off. And after that, it is, as I put, all felt very chaotic and messy. load of botches. Mm. But ultimately, not bad. And I think you, what was the phrase that you used, Matt, in your summary at the end? Just rewind back a few minutes. I mean, prattling on absolute bollocks. Matt summed it up perfectly. I think it was something like, but it's an absolutely fine way to start the show. And that is, yeah, that's exactly it. There's a bit of energy. Technically, it's not very good, but it's eight people as well, which too many people. Mm. We talked about this. Any more than six? I'm confused. Eight? <laughs> I don't know what's, what's going, going on. on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because they don't deliver anything that you, you um, for me, I'm not expecting much out of an eight-man tag match. Mm. Like, I don't, I'm not expecting much. So, it's going to start off, you're going to have some tags, quick tagging in now, and ultimately uh, about five or six minutes into the match, it's just going to dissolve into chaos and, and everyone's going to be fighting each other. One thing I did think is that they, they, the, the commentators keep talking about how it's a no-DQ match, so why are they tagging in, in and out? I'm so glad you said that, I didn't write that down. And I'm so glad you said that, because it's fucking stupid. Mm. That is a stupid rule. Yeah, it just yeah. doesn't make any sense. And I've got, I got to give a shout-out to Aidan English underrated pale he is Seamus gets all the plaudits and rightfully so he's he's the he's the original <laughs> brilliant pale guy but Aiden English is lovely and he looks he looks like uh, he's got like the dark green tights on all I could think of is that if he was if you basically ripped bits of the tights off and stuck it to his skin he'd look a little bit like tartar sauce 
Or he looked like a spring onion. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. There, um, was, there was only one great white. And did you remember that nickname that they give to the great white shaman? Yes. Yeah. My God, was that terrible. But there's only one great white. <laughs> he's, he's abs- yeah, Seamus is it's an absolute guy. But, but I think we've discussed it before, but I think it's an Extreme Rules pay-per-view um, where the cover is just his face really close <laughs> up to the camera and you can just see his hair and his beard and like the yeah. blood orange colour. And it's then like, it's just... Yeah, from the Muppets. He <laughs> does, he's got Beaker vibes, certainly then, not so much now. And like I said this before, he always looks cold. I always think he'd be quite cold to the touch with, with old Seamus. But yeah, the, the match was all right. There's a bit where um, the referee counts to three after Enzo and Cass hit their finisher, but it's not a three count. Old Simon Botch and Amore fuck something up when Kofi's supposed to hit Trouble in Paradise, which just looks really clunky. And it, there's just, there's a lot of things in there. Um, eight, a biggie nearly breaks his neck when he hits spear through through the rope, which is um, amazing he didn't. Amazing it's taken him this long, to be honest. And the, the end is a bit messy as well, because, yeah, Kofi pins in English after he's been down for ages, similar to like what we said about the John Cena AJ Styles match. This is a bit weird, a bit messy, but wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It went on for the amount of time it probably should have gone on for, and that's about it, really. After the segment, we get the Barry Corbin versus Zolf Diggler match, and then we get uh, Seth Rollins backstage, taping up very early, I might say. The next match is Charlotte and Dana Brooke versus Becky Lynch and Natalia Neidhart. The match goes on for seven minutes, and it ends when there's a bit of a mess between Becky Lynch and Dana, which distracts the ref, so they're having a little scrap, which distracts the ref. Then Charlotte hits natural selection on Natty and when the ref isn't looking, and the ref then turns around and does the uh, pinfall. And it's a bit of a strange ending because it's almost as if she's cheated but she hasn't it's all a bit a bit of an odd choice to end the match and then at, after the match uh, natty then turns on becky for uh reasons that aren't really explained or logical oh man this is becky lynch in her last kicker phase which is like every time i hear it it kind of makes me feel a bit sick every time I hear the last kicking. And that's not her fault. It's not her fault. She's just trying to win an honest living in wrestling. But yeah, not great. There was a tremendous face by Dana Brooke, who is mocking Lynch's devil horns. Now, I can't remember any devil horns, but evidently they were there. But she makes a tremendous face, just like a really childish face. As for the match... It just happened, didn't it? There's not a whole lot to it. The crowd, probably, after watching the classic Barry Corbin and Zolf Diggler, were probably out, to be honest. Absolutely exhausted. They didn't care at all. I didn't mind the finish, and I quite let the beat down at the end because it was short and effective, the beat down. I went towards to it, and what it also did is it gave Becky a bit of rub because the crowd are actually chanting for her at the end, and I think that's kind of... That's what you want. When someone gets beaten down, you want the sympathy to go on to the baby face. And they managed to achieve that. Now, one person who wasn't very happy about this finish was Byron Saxton. He was very upset. He was very worked up about it. He's like, Nana, Natalia, why? No, why would she do that? He's just asking anyone, I think. It's not even Michael Cole and JBL. He's asking anyone, why would she do that? He got the enthusiasm for it. <laughs> I didn't get so much enthusiasm for it, but oh, it was all right, wasn't it? It was all right. <laughs> Um, Do you know, I, I can't say I had that much enthusiasm for it either. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I tell you one thing that, that really stuck out to me is the stark contrast between pre the man, 
Becky Lynch mm. and Becky yeah. Lynch today, bloody hell. Like, mm-hmm. it really is an unbelievable star contrast. Like, I don't know how you guys feel about, like, her current gimmick or whatever, which big time Bex. Not the biggest fan in the world of it, but even that, compared to what she was then, the confidence in her is ridiculous. So, in all yeah. fairness, I'm going to say, well done, Becky Lynch. So, that stuck out to me. Other than that, I mean, th- th- this match was, I think the only reason they had this match was it was another reason to get Charlotte Flair on the show. And I'm not opposed to that. I'm a big Charlotte Flair fan. I know a lot of people resent the fact that she seems to be on every single show all the time, but I've got no problems with it. The match itself was okay. It kind of did what it was meant to again in just a couple of minutes and the the post-match beatdown i mean god bless natalia i mean if ever there's a woman in that company who i kind of think has been shortchanged i think it's her um because it's got to the point where and i dread to even say this but for me she's kind of approaching dolph ziggler territory where it doesn't matter what she does because nobody buys into it anymore and i think she deserves a hell of a lot better than that I don't think she's ever had the proper run that her talent really warrants. And I'm not quite sure she's ever going to get it, which would be a massive shame. But, you know, like I said, they they turned her heel, something different, whatever. The Dolph Ziggler comparison is actually a really good one, I think, Matt, because she is a very reliable, very competent, safe pair of hands in the ring that they can use to get other people over. And that is basically her role, isn't it? Her role is to, to get someone new on the card. They almost use her, I think, as like the yardstick. You know, you can test your Yourself. If you can have a good match with Natty, then you're, you're fine. You know, she can get you through a good match, and that's fine. There's one bit that I really liked in the build-up to the match, which was when it showed Dana Brooke showing up as Ric Flair, dressed as Ric Flair, who <laughs> yeah. rules pay-per-view the previous month, and couldn't look anything any less like him. <laughs> it was really, really funny. But the, the the problem I had with this match is that this match almost felt like a throwback to the pre-quote-unquote women's revolution, where they are like, you know, we need to have some women on this card we'll just chuck them in for seven minutes and that's it there's no real meaningful storyline behind this match i don't know if this is when they're having a, a brand split is, is there at the time so yeah, it would explain the absence yeah. of like you know the bellas and and the sasha and, and various others they must have been on the other show but it's just a bit it's a bit of a shame that it, this this is what it turns into because you could have if you ended up doing charlotte versus natalia and dana brooke versus becky lynch then you could have had two pretty decent singles matches out of this i think but they didn't really do anything about it there's a little bit that i liked when uh uh, Natty and Becky hit the heart attack on, um, I think it's on, on Dana and what I love is the fact that Natty is very much in the anvil role, doing the holding which is just a nice little touch. It was a pretty good bit where Charlotte lands on her feet after a double suplex attempt and looks genuinely surprised that she landed on her feet which is great and obviously there's a lovely sharpshooter from Natty but there's a bit with JBL in there where he just starts fucking waffling on about some Japanese wrestler who first used, used the sharpshooter and I'm sorry but it's Bret Hart and I don't care what people say <laughs> <laughs> or what facts there may be no one did the sharpshooter before Bret Hart they may have done a not as good version of it but they didn't do the sharpshooter that's all Bret I completely forget that everybody's such a big Bret Hart fan on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> Nate, he's my boy, he's my guy. Oh, the other thing I, I also did mention actually during the uh, the big tag match again is old um, dickhead on commentary, Bradshaw, going on about, oh, they've held IWGP tag team champion. Oh, fuck off, no one cares. No one cares about that in WWE. You know what I mean? You're not going to win any style points by fucking waffling on about them holding the, the New Japan tag team championship belts, which in, in the you know the wider scheme of things is probably quite a big deal. But in for WWE viewers, you're just doing it to put yourself over in the eyes of 
the quote-unquote smart fans. Anyway, that's that's what my little rant about that. After that, we get the advert for AJ Styles on Stone Cold's podcast, and then we get another backstage segment where we've got Tom Phillips with Dean Ambrose, quite a bizarre promo, where he says that he has no strategy. He puts over the danger of the ladder match. He then says that the Money in the Bank match is the jungle, and only one thing exists in the jungle, and that's the briefcase. So I don't really know what he's talking about there. And he says that he's the king of the jungle. He also says later on that Roman Reigns will have fun beating up Seth Rollins in the main event. Uh, any thoughts about this uh, this promo? <laughs> The one thing I would say is that they tease the cash in at the end, which I don't like because, like we were talking, the tease. I don't like the tease. I'm more of a coffee guy. (laughs) No, I'm not a fan of it because you have to deliver. They teased it in the build-up, so when we get to the main event, you get the video pre-thing where if Dean Ambrose wins the Money in the Bank briefcase, like he's already teasing that he's going to cash it in after the main event. And then they're doing it again, and it's like, right, you have to deliver on this. And there's, you do, and it's like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, you kind of had to, and you don't, and everyone's just like, you're a bunch of fucking idiots. Why are you doing this? You can't swerve us, bro. <laughs> All right, Vince Russo. <laughs> yeah, but no, I I don't like it because it feels very lazy. And Tommy used that term when he talks about the Money in the Bank ladder match as a whole concept. I just don't like leading everything. Can you imagine that noise if they'd not said anything and then at the end Dean Ambrose's music hits? The shock, the excitement. But people know they want it. They know it's coming. It's just there's really just really poor. It's also, to your point, Tommy, a really bad promo as well. Mm. Like it's nonsensical. It doesn't really do anything. It's classic Money in the Bank promo fare. Well, old man, remember the Money in the Bank ladder matches jungle. And there's only one thing in the jungle, and that's the briefcase. Mm, it is. And you're saying so, that's nonsensical, are you? <laughs> Where? How is it hanging? Or is it not? There's only one thing in the jungle, and that's a briefcase. So no, no trees. trees. No trees. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking bollocks. Um, so the <laughs> next match we've got is Sheamus versus Apollo Crews, a match that I'm pretty sure sold this pay-per-view. Um, goes on for eight minutes and 36 seconds. Um, the match ends when Sheamus hits white noise off the middle rope, which Apollo kicks out of. And then whilst Sheamus is remonstrating with the referee, Apollo rolls him up for, for the quick win. Matt. Are you really drawing the short, short straw on this one? Go on, try and pluck something out of that. Do you know what? This is where I actually started to get pissed off with this show. I was thinking, Money in the Bank, as we said at the start, over the last couple of years, has turned into one of the, the, the bigger shows. This is Vegas. You know, it's sold. Well, I don't know if it's sold out, but big crowd. Sheamus versus Apollo Crew. They, this is something that would be a dark match before Raw. You know, it's like, why is this on pay-per-view? And that's literally, I put that in my notes. What the hell is this doing on pay-per-view? It had no business. As far as a match goes, it, it was fine. I mean, give them credit where it's due. They attempted to try and give it some form of backstory. And obviously they were trying to do something with the, with Apollo Crews. But I, I honestly just felt this was just a waste of everybody's time. And given all the matches we'd had up until this point, I was thinking, bloody hell, this is not the best card I've seen in a while. See, what I liked about this is that they started with a bit of fucking urgency, at least. At least there was like there was a bit of pop 
to the first few minutes in particular. And we not really had that for the last two matches. And there isn't really a whole lot of that in the tag match either. So I didn't, I've got to be honest, I thought this was all right. I must feel stupid saying this, I haven't had Matt if this or ain't it. <laughs> but I take your point about like this probably shouldn't be on a premium live event. But they're trying to push Apollo Crews at this point. They're trying to make him something. Sheamus is another one of these guys. He's another Dolph Ziggler. If you're a bigger guy or you're a bit tougher, you go up against Sheamus when you come mm. onto the roster. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I really, really like the finish, in theory. But I then thought, I was like, hang on, this Apollo Crews is a big old fucking unit. Like, why is he having to roll him over in a little crucifix to beat him? Then you don't want Sheamus losing to his finisher and stuff like that. And he has to incapacitate him because his finisher at this point was off the top rope from, if memory serves me correct, Apollo Crews. But I'll tell you one one person who's not as into it as I was, the crowd. Mm. I mean, when Apollo Crews comes out, I almost cried. So I was like, <laughs> this man, to say that there's no noise would be kind. You might hear the odd chair flapping up as people leave to go to the concession stand. I felt very bad. But overall, like there's a belly to belly by Apollo Crews to the outside. And then standing moonsault from the apron mm-hmm. to the outside by Apollo Crews that looks incredible. The white noise from the second room always looks good. I like the fact that he kicked out. Like that, I'm unsure about the finish. To be honest, what I thoroughly enjoyed at the end is how fucked off Sheamus is. Mm-hmm. Because he's he's kind of added a little bit of importance to what is, undoubtedly, to your point, Matt, a nothing thing that's just kind of happening. But overall, you know what? It's the best match of the three that come after the tag match. Definitely. And yeah, why not? Why not Apollo Crews? He was now back on NXT. Well, that's what I was thinking. So I was thinking about Apollo Crews and his weird kind of career, effectively, that he's had in WWE. He's never really done it. And I don't even remember him having much of a run in NXT. Did he Did he have the, win the championship there? I, I don't know if he did, no. did he? You don't usually get people called up to the main roster until they've you know made quite an impact in NXT. He's, he's a bit weird because he's in, he's in incredible shape. He's technically very good like you said old man his athleticism is amazing but he just doesn't really have a personality or a character more to the point which no just to be fair no one's got any character to be perfectly honest but he i would love it and i kind of said this again on on the last um we joked about the rock returning to 205 yeah. live and becoming a cruiserweight i like the idea that you could that if you managed to somehow weasel as a heel and then had, had a, like an mvp or a, or a paul Heyman or someone like that as his mouthpiece turning with hill and convincing him that he could go down to two or five live and absolutely do it have a dominant heel run as a as a as someone who's clearly not a cruiserweight but claiming to be you know you could do something like that quite interesting because mm. i think you could you could build a character or something out of that but you know it's never really happened i i i'll be honest old man I, i'm with i'm in the mat camp on this one i thought the match was quite slow and plodding no one cares and why should they i kind of realized about halfway through the match that i had not been paying attention to it in the slightest so i don't really have any notes on it other than the fact that when shims comes out he's very wet which makes him look even colder than normal. So um, that was what I thought. But yeah, it's this match one for me, and it didn't it didn't really do anything for me on a, on a card that's already running over long at three hours and twenty four minutes or however long it was, and a near nine minute match involving two people that no one cares about didn't need to be on air in my opinion. So next we get to see Roman Rage, Roman Rage. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, can I not get his name right? I called him Ray last time as well, didn't I? Yeah. Roman Rage. Yeah, Roman Rage is back, back stain, putting his gloves on. Um, and then we get an advert for Battlegrounds, um, which is very um, flaggy. Is there lots of people with flags? Anybody got any thoughts about these little things? Um, what, what's your opinion on flags, old man? Well, you know what? I don't mind them. They're good for um, that thing where they signal with flags, yeah. which I can't remember what it's called at all. I was going to say forceps. Really? I was going to say, yeah, where you, you have, which isn't the right word. That's not completely different. I, a superstar-themed flag. Hmm. It's pretty cool, I think. You must have one of those on your wall. You must have a Bret Hart flag. Well, I do have a Bret Hart flag. Oh, that's right. You have got one. Yeah. Yeah, you bought me one years ago. Yeah. It's lovely. Um, One thing I do enjoy about this Battleground thing is that, one, when it started, I was like, oh, this is the Bragging Rights hype video. Wrote that down. But there's the song in the background. This is what we're fighting for. (laughs) I was like, what are you fighting for? This. (laughs) What's this, Matt? Bra- bragging words, mate. This, that's what they said. This yeah. is what we're yeah, but, <laughs> for. Yeah, but it's not bragging rights, Tommy. It's battleground. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. So, hang on. Yeah, do the same questions, Matt. How do you feel about flags? I like a good flag. <laughs> mm. Things are, you, you're lucky because you, you, you got a fucking cracking flag. You're yeah, lucky on it. It is pretty badass, although there was a thing a couple of months ago, I think it was, if I remember right there, I'm sure it was Sarah Silverman who was just ripping it apart, saying, oh, it looks like, you know, like a 12-year-old drew it, and people just ripped it to shreds online for it. And I just thought, ha, Captain, because our flag is awesome. Our flag is awesome. It's, it's, one, of the, it's one of the better flags. Definitely the best out of the, uh, the British flags, certainly. I mean, I mean, well, it's, you know, it's quite hard to beat a, a red cross on a white background. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so next we get a, a the, the John Cena and AJ Styles match, which we obviously already covered. Then we get a uh, gold bond advert. Uh, with Shaq, which was uh, I didn't know what that's for. And then we get an advert for Swerved on the WWE Network. Anybody ever watched an episode of Swerved? No, I never caught it. And like when I saw that advert, I just thought, wow, there really has been a lot of shit on the WWE Network, mm-hmm. hasn't there? I think I'd probably laugh more if I was getting violently fisted than I would by watching that. <laughs> well, there's the clip of the Big Show who's been like made into gold. And he stood by the Andre the Giant statue. He's like, well, that's the big show. <laughs> he's been painted gold. And he like, makes people jump. But to be fair, it would make me jump because he's a big man. And I'd be like, shit, he's going to fucking eat me. But then he um, then he goes, you've been swerved. And I was like, oh, mate. It's uh, Jeff Tremaine, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, from Jackass. Can you imagine how much they fucking paid him for that? You know what? One day, we should all have a couple of beers. And we should watch an episode. Yeah, bonus episode, maybe. Maybe we'll yeah, start yeah. a Patreon and do a bonus episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, what, what do you reckon charge for the Patreon? 35 quid a month? Uh, yeah, yeah, for um, one, po- one um, podcast. Well, and also it'll be sporadic, so we might do one more month, might not the next. Who knows? <laughs> we'll, we'll find out who the real fans are then. So next we have the Money in the Bank ladder match. The reason we're all here, which is Dean Ambrose versus Alberto Del Rio versus Kevin Owens versus Chris Jericho versus Cesaro versus Sami Zayn. Um, the match goes on for 21 minutes and 38 seconds, which Dean Ambrose wins after having a bit of a scrap with KO at the top of a ladder. Uh, he then takes ages 
to get the suitcase down because he's obviously having a little bit of trouble with the old clasp. And then Bradshaw goes berserk with the commentary. What I will say before we go to the actual match, I want to talk a little bit or about the uh, pre-match video. In fact, I want to talk about the awful song in the pre-match video. In fact, I want to specifically talk about the lyrics in the awful song. So it goes, I keep swinging my head through a swarm of bees because I want honey on the table. I never get it right. I keep swinging my head through a swarm of bees. I can't understand why they keep stinging me, but I do what I want. I do what I please. I'll do it again until I get what I need. <laughs> it's the shittest song I've ever heard. One, that's not how you get honey. Just go to the supermarket and get some. Then yeah. swing your head through a swarm of bees, you fucking moron. And then he can't understand why he can't get it right. He just can't understand it. But he doesn't matter. He's going to keep going. And he's going to do what he wants. He's going to do what he pleases. And he'll do it again until he gets what he needs, which is honey on the table that he could get from Asda. What's, uh, what's interesting is that I wrote on my notes, Money in the Bank video, with a dreadful song. Now, I didn't go to the trouble of learning the lyrics by heart, as you did, Tommy. But fucking hell. I mean, someone heard that song and they were like, oh, that'd be perfect for Money in the Bank. Yeah. Twats. Imagine, it, it, would, it might work if they had a uh, bee's nest on a pole match. Yeah. Well, that's it. There's, where's the honey? I know the honey is the money in the bank, but come on. There's mm. no bears in this match either. No. no, it's just a briefcase just in the jungle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They should have done Welcome to the Fucking Jungle. That's what they should have done. Welcome to the jungle. That would have been perfect if they really wanted to tie in, but they didn't. Well, and cowards. then they go, do you know where you are? You're in the money in the bank briefcase. <laughs> jungle, baby! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, old man, what are your thoughts on this match? Let's go through a couple of little things before I get to the roundup. Old Sezi, Sezi Zaro. It's a springboard corkscrew uppercut mm. from a ladder to Kevin Owens that rose my derriere from the sofa when he did it because i was like that is so incredible bear in mind i'm the kind of person that as i rose my derriere from the sofa i may have fallen over and sprained my ankle (laughs) seeing someone do that was absolutely incredible cesaro then has a little swing later on we've got del rio who does the coward swing with his mm. hands on his head. Don't, no arms failing. As does Jericho. Although Jericho is then lobbed headfirst into a ladder. In the middle of it. So I was kind of like, I can kind of understand that. It's a great spot. Yeah. Uh, I'd written at the top of my notes. Crazy Zane and Owens spot incoming. And they don't disappoint. With uh, a Michinoku driver. By Zane on Owens. On a sideways ladder. The thing is is it doesn't look dangerous because it's done so expertly. But, God, it looks like it hurts. I mean, fuck me. It'd be like having the pineapple shoved up your rectum, I reckon. Having that, the jolt through your body must be horrendous. There's there's no way it's not absolute fucking agony. No. And at this point, I'm like, you know what? This is going along at a decent little lick. They're not rushing anything. There's a bit of time. There's a bit of breathing space. And then they do this stupid fucking spot where they've got the ladder in the middle of the ring Mm. and they've got a ladder either side, like poking from a corner into one of the rungs of the ladder. So it's like a stage. And it takes so fucking long for them to set this up. 
that I'm like, right, there's going to be a heck of a fucking spot here. And I, I was a bit like, I don't know whether I'm going to enjoy this. But I was like, well, it's coming, so I better get me bollocks out anyway. Got the gaffer tape out. Didn't even need any fucking blue tack because they don't even do anything. But what they managed to do is they managed to take all of the wind out of the cells of the match mm. and really, like, to be honest, ruin it. They really whipped the carpet out from under these guys with this stupid thing. And then Ambrose wins. The crowd pop reasonably, I think, for Ambrose win. But I think they're like me at home. Like, if my ass was off the seat, I was almost through the sofa at this point. Then you get JBL going on about how bloody awful it would be if Ambrose is champion. So over the top. And I'm like, oh, that was disappointing, wasn't it? You've kind of got like 15 minutes of really good stuff. And then the last six and a half minutes or so, they just fucked it. They fucked it, lads. Mm. They fucked themselves. They fucked themselves worse than that guy with the honey. <laughs> what do you think, Matt? Do you know, I, I'm going to start with the uh, the nitpicky stuff first as well, I think. Um I agree with you all, man, in terms of like the, you know, the, the way they set the ladder up, like the, that sort of spot. It, and we've talked about it on, on previous shows before where it's never a good thing when they spend half the time in the match trying to set up the next spot instead of trying to climb the damn ladder and win, and win mm-hmm. the damn thing. That really does take you out of it, which is, you know, it's become a problem and becomes more of a problem as, as each ladder match goes by because there's a more insane spot in the last one. There's, you know, the guys in there are trying to top from the year before. So that kind of needs to stop. That aside, there was enough crazy stuff going on in this that, that it was is easy enough for you to enjoy. But what you expect from your, your money in the bank ladder matches, just car crash type stuff. You know, the Mishinoka driver was awesome. Cesaro, who I'm going to say right now is my MVP of the night for mm. his performance in this match. You know, the, the spot where he just was uppercutting everybody in the corners and then the ladder to the face that he took. I mean, you want to talk about Derrier? Oh, <laughs> that's horrendous. Holy yeah. crap, leaving the sofa. I mean, bloody hell, did I... Ju- I literally thought that he had his teeth knocked out. It, it just ladder to the face. I'm hoping he got his hands up in time. I can't remember if he did. I don't think he did. Mm. But it looked brutal. And, and that's, again, that, that's pretty much what you're going to get from these types of things. I mean, the the, the, the winner was the right one. Um, 100% they chose the right guy. Um, and like I say, it's it set up for, for the end of the night. And like I said, I, I do think that particularly with the men's matches, th- this is where the gimmick peaked for, for sure. Yeah, I, I quite enjoyed the match uh, generally, but there, there's it's the little bits that I like about, about wrestling. And my favourite bit almost in the whole match is before the match even starts in that Zayn and Owens are bickering in the ring as, as Dean Ambrose is coming out. Like they they keep that going. And that's one of those stories we've discussed it before, like, um you know, like a, like a Martel and... And Tito Santana thinks their storylines ended, but that feud will go on forever. There'll always there'll always be some kind of relationship between them, and that they immediately pair off and start fighting each other. You know what I mean? It just makes mm-hmm. it makes so much sense. There's a great stupid idiot chant, which I just enjoyed a lot during that. There's a horrible snap suplex from Jericho on by onto um Darren uh Dean uh, Darren Ambrose then didn't he <laughs> was a football player? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does a horrible snap suplex where his like legs land on the ladder. It looks absolutely bu- absolutely brutal. And the Cesaro kind of uppercut triangle that you kind of dis- described just then, Matt, was really fun. And then then Kevin Owens interrupts and destroys him in the face with the ladder. But then oh. does the oh. cannibals in the corner. He does all the cannibals. And then Sami Zayn interrupts and does all of the halluva kicks in the people in the corner. It's just a really fun little segment. And when it comes to the Cesaro swing, why can the crowd not count it properly? They go too quick. 
Didn't they? I, always, I love that. I love that. Yeah. It totally does agree. my fucking nothing. It does my nothing. Count after ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fucking ridiculous. But th- there's a bit where um <laughs> Kevin Owens hits the old frog splash on uh, Ambrose on the ladder, and the <laughs> they show, this this might this is almost MVP worthy from old uh, old Sax sexy Saxton. He, t- he basically when they show the slow motion replay, as soon as as soon as Owens lands on Ambrose, this old sexy Saxon goes splat. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I really liked the end of the match. You're right again, Matt. The, the right person won, even though I don't like Ambrose in the slightest. I think it, it made sense for him to win the match. But I loved the fact that at the end of the match, everyone, there are people selling outside the ring, like Cesaro, who did have an, an incredible performance in this match, looks really kind of like forlorn and quite gutted on the outside. Sami Zayn looks looks like he's in a bit of pain. Alberto Del Rio is kind of sat on the outside. Kevin Owens looks fucked and he's getting like carried out by the referee and he looks concussed and as he should be because he in the match he's the person that probably takes the most amount of punishment mm. through the match as well and he, he, he also had uh, a really good performance it was like Kevin Owens is my MVP of the night as well and then like JBL is just waffling on so much. he starts talking about the tonight show with Jimmy Kimmel he's just oh, it's just intolerable so yeah, he's just annoying. Fuck off, JBL. He might get my, he might get the sometimes handed out cunt of the night award because he just really annoyed me. It's, there's no, you need to be able to. We chat about this. I, in fact, we can have this little discussion now, Matt. Like me and old man during our NXT 25 show, the one that you were supposed to be on but couldn't make, um, we're going on about Mauro Ranello and the fact that I can't stand him on commentary because he doesn't. He is always at the same really animated rate and through the entire thing. There's no peaks and troughs. It's just peaks constantly, and it, it's too much for me. And that's the same with JBL. I find it's just too much at one pitch one tone constantly aggro all the time and it just does my head in and that was that was how i feel about ranello as well i get judge of all your face that you quite like moro i'm a massive fan of Moro. Really? yeah i, I to, to, even to this day i feel that nxt um not having him is just a massive loss he's just it's one of the for, for me he's become such a synonymous part of particularly like the the, the golden era of nxt I think of him in the same way as I think of JR doing peak WWE commentary. Mm. I think he's that good. He's just I, NXT. I think of Maro straight away. And don't get me wrong, some of the Mama Mia's can sometimes get a little bit irritating. But on the whole, he's got the most enthusiasm that I've seen. And it it made me laugh because I, a friend of mine loves Pat McAfee, and mm. I can't stand him. And I prefer Morrow's type of enthusiasm than I do Pat's, because Pat's tends to irritate me. So it might have the same type of effect as it has on you, I think, for the sense of it. That's interesting, because I really like Pat McAfee. And the reason why I think I like Pat Pat McAfee is because he doesn't sound, possibly in the same way that Morrow Anello doesn't really sound, it doesn't sound massively overproduced to me. He sounds like he talks like... He does, you know, because he's already got his own platform, so they can't really have him talking in a completely different way, you know, on there than he does on his own podcast. But yeah, I don't know. It's just an interesting thought. And it, and it also, because the reason I wanted to ask you about it as well, because we're going back a little bit, so I don't even know if this will make the edit or not, but I can remember you, you found, I think you found Vincent Mann's commentary quite grating at one of the in your house pay per views that you did. I, I find it interesting that you 
Vincent Mann is the most enthusiast, enthusiastic commentator of all time. And obviously, Ronello is really enthusiastic, and that's why you like his commentary. So I find it quite quite interesting that you that you wouldn't necessarily like Vincent Mann's commentary, but you like Ronello. Again, it kind of all boils down to, I suppose, going back to what the stuff that you were watching at the time when it happened, maybe. But yeah, I just find, I find that really interesting. Part of it as well, probably, is that because um, I'm a big MMA fan, so mm. Amaro is big in the combat sports world as well. So yeah. he's done a lot of MMA commentary so there's certain MMA events which you know when I think of that I think of him as well so for me he comes across as more realistic because he is real in the sense of he's commented on real sports so that that might be it too yeah and I think I can imagine his style of commentary being much more suited to MMA again I think I may have made this point on that podcast whereas obviously MMA is like there you know more about it than I do but there, there are moments moments of not much happening or at least not much seeming to happen that you can't necessarily get too overly enthusiastic about but then you have those big moments you have those big knockouts those big submissions where commentators do tend to go very loud and very shouty about it and it kind of works in that in that instance but i think it's just a little bit too much for me when it comes to nx to wrestling anyway we then go to the pre-show panel with Corey graves lita booker t and renee young where they add nothing and booker t does at one point though does make a great noise he goes (laughs) (laughs) um we see footage of breezango on a dark match against the golden truth where they've got really bad sunburn apparently caused somehow by our truth and gold dust and the prosthetics are amazing <laughs> that they're wearing i'll be honest Pete, i think it was real oh really yeah it must be they they, they won't fake that i love that so the golden truth gold dust and our truth win it's their first win and gold dust gets so excited he almost pops Mike Kyoda. <laughs> and Mike Kyoda almost laughs because he basically just grabs him. Uh, Goldust just grabs him. And he, you can see he almost loses it. <laughs> he's a fucking professional. Damn right. So he yes. Yeah, so with his little. You've got a team. Oh, I, I think everyone had, probably <laughs> including <laughs> R Truth and Goldust. Yeah. <laughs> they were together for a while, if I remember. To, to be perfectly honest, that is a perfect pairing, Goldust and R-Truth. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. a perfect comedy, dark match, curtain jerker tag team for two guys who are very seasoned professionals who are just really get into their characters and are not afraid to do the absurd and the wacky stuff. And it's absolutely fine as long as you don't start trying to put them in the main event. It, it did also remind me, and I think this, because he'd just been on there, remind me of Goldust and Booker T. Oh, lovely. They had some absolutely cracking interactions. Great stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. wonderful. I didn't, I didn't like those two. It was too much for me. Didn't like all this and Booker T. Was it a bit too, um, how do I put this? In- innuendo-y? <laughs> yeah, like, what was the clip or what was the skit? Oh, well, God. whilst you're thinking about it, I must say that it is the type of thing that they would not touch with a barge pole now. Oh, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, lot of homosexual undertones, aren't there? I'm sure Booker T was in bed with some woman, and like he turns oh, the lights amazing. Up, and then, yeah, he wakes up and it's, you know, I was like, oh, fuck off. Oh, <laughs> that, that, that's the shit that I fucking love. Do you know, like for me, when it comes to watching wrestling, like I said earlier about having those moments of levity, I fucking love that shit because <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. Do you know what I mean? If I, if I want like real kind of sporting kind of stuff, I'll actually watch sport. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But I love the yeah. I love the pantomime and the stupidityness of 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 wrestling. That's yeah, I fucking love all that shit. Oh, you, plenty of skits I can think of, but nah, not not that one. That that didn't do it for me. 
<laughs> Can you imagine if they started bringing that into real sports? So like they just cut to like cut to the changing rooms and Mick McCarthy's in bed with Neil Warnock. <laughs> <laughs> be amazing. That'd be and, absolutely amazing. And uh, Mick McCarthy's like, I don't know if I can get it up, Neil. Ah, he'll give it a go. He'll give it a good go. He's a good young man. He'll have a go. He'll have a... <laughs> so next match we have is uh, Rusev with Lana versus Titus O'Neil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how I laughed. <laughs> oh, my God. He's a fucking dad. Yeah. There's any reason this fucking. Yeah. I know <laughs> Titus as well. He's a dad. He's like father of the year and something, yeah. which is a heck of an accident. And don't get me wrong, like, I, I ain't doing dad's down. I've got one. He's fucking amazing. But he's a fucking dad. And he's got a US title shot out of it. Uh, uh, mate, he's not just a dad. He's mega dad of the year. Oh man, mega dad, that's it. Um, so he, he fights a, uh, Rusev for the uh, US Championship match. It's uh, eight minutes and thirty seconds. Rusev wins after Titus taps to the acolyte. Um, Rusev then taunts Titus's kids at ringside and says that he's a loser. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know what? I'm going to take this one because I felt, so fu- I felt so fucking sorry to these for these sad cunts in this match because <laughs> they've just they've just had the Money in the Bank ladder match, which is a big kind of spot fest of all action kind of stuff, and then you've got the the main event coming up next between um, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. They get no reaction whatsoever from the crowd. It's definitely silence. And that's when I realised as well, though, that it's the reason Titus has a match is because it's Father's Day. I mean, <laughs> they should start booking around holidays. They should start booking wrestling matches around holidays. So you could have, a, like, Becky Lynch maybe next year could have a match on, on a card at Mother's Day. You could have, like, um, like if, I don't know, if there's, like, Puerto Rican Day parade, you could have Savio Vega come back and have a match. You could do all this stuff. you lovely stuff. You could have it on birthdays. Oh, so, yeah. oh, it's your birthday. You can have a title shot. Yeah, lovely stuff. That's what they should do. Bring more, bring more of that sort of stuff into it. Yeah. Um, it's a really tough watch. This match, I wouldn't expect it much because I don't, I don't think it gets said enough. And I know old man is is a bit of a Titus O'Neil guy, but I don't think it gets said enough how much of a terrible wrestler he is <laughs> because he is awful. He seems like a lovely man. He sounds like a top guy, but he is fucking dreadful. And the only note I've got written about fucking Rusev is that he looks like Lin Manuel Miranda. With his long hair and his beauty. <laughs> yeah. Like a gigantic roided up Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah. A, a massive roided up Hamilton. That's what he looks like. Um, and i got to say, fair play to Titus, though, for, despite of all that, the fact that he manages to throw that big lug around a couple of times, which is very impressive. Mm. But other than that, sad gets is what I've got written at the bottom. I mean, to say that Titus O'Neill gets no reaction. <laughs> would be being disrespectful to Apollo Crews <laughs> because this is like worse than Apollo Crews I think you know what the problem is as well he don't come out and goes he don't do that it's a fucking that's your that's your thing that and being a dad that's no, your character being a dad <laughs> yeah so he walks down gives his sons a little kiss which is lovely it's a lovely thing and then they collide so Oh. O'Neill and Rusev run in in front, so they run around the outside of the ring in front of the commentary desk and they do a double closing. And I'm like, that's two big fucking nuts, that is like walloping together. Mm. And I'm like, you know what? We might actually get what this should be just fucking smash, 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 four minutes done. 
There's no way he's winning the title. We all know this. Even though I know that Rusev held the title for a while, so I knew he didn't. There's no way Titus O'Neil is winning this. But they don't. They slow it down. And it goes on. And it goes on. And it just like eight and a half minutes. It's at least five minutes too long for these two. Titus O'Neil can't seem to figure out how to do a pump handle slam. Because <laughs> he, 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 tries, he tries to do it once. And it turns into some weird thing that I don't really know what it is. Yeah. And then when he's doing it again, yeah, he just drops it basically. And then he tries to do it again and he muffs it up again. And then <laughs> finally gets it right. Oh, this is average. Like, beyond average. Again, it's not even bad. Apart from the pump under slam botches, there's nothing bad in it. But it's always oh, agonising. He had the real disservice to dads all around the world, I feel. Hey, you know. yeah. yeah, and I feel like he let his kids down, and I feel like <laughs> Rusev was probably right. <laughs> well, you got him, Matt. Go on, go on, give us some positivity about this. Yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, th- there's no chance of that happening. Um, do you know what? I- I'm going to read out. I wrote very little notes for this, right? But I'm going to read out exactly what I put. And and now that I'm actually looking back at this, I realise there's two different ways that you could read into it, right? So I'll leave whichever interpretation um, of the, what I've written up to you guys, right? But all I've written to describe this match is put me to sleep. Whether that means I'm asking to be put to sleep or <laughs> this match put me to sleep, I will leave up to you. Well, you it's... did say that you had a little nap. Mm. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> this um, was awful. Yeah. Fuck this match. So again, on another, another, on a pay per view that is too long for my liking, this match does not need to be on air at all. They could again, they could have had this on the pre-show, absolutely fine. But I didn't need to see. I didn't need to see a, a dad. I am a dad, and he, he he's not one of us. <laughs> I must say, I know Matt said that Apollo Crews and Sheamus shouldn't have been on a pay-per-view. This was the one where I was like, no. I wrote, so when the opponent comes out, I wrote, Totus O'Neill on Ooh. a pay-per-view. <laughs> Totus, you know, Totus O'Neill. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's... <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, you couldn't let it go, could you? No, no. It's a tutus at I knew. It's time. I ran on pay per view and put about 15 exclamation marks. Yeah. I just felt bad for the fucker. Uh, I got to so be <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wish his brother Titus had been there. Yeah, I know. Right, so let me get another advert for some fantastic looking shows that are on the WWE network, yeah. uh, including Swerved, oh, Holy Foley. You're watching it. You, you've right. already got us, you idiots. In fairness, <laughs> this is when they were still selling pay per views as well. Yeah, let's be honest, if you're fucking buying pay per views for $30 <laughs> when you can get it for $9.99 a month, you are a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> So yeah, if has anybody so they got we got swerved, which we established that we've none of us have watched. The Steve Austin podcast, which I'm sure we've all watched various episodes of. Holy Foley, again, I think I'd rather drink a pint of my own vomit. Um the Cruiserweight Classic, I bet there's probably some good stuff in there. We get another advert for Battleground with in an advert, so that's very Flags. meta. Camp the yeah, flaggy flaggy flagging <laughs> rights. No, um Camp WWE, Ride Along and the Edge and Christian show, all of which I can confidently say I've never watched and never will. I what what was one of the ones you mentioned? Can't Holy, remember. Just, Holy Foley. 
Yeah, so I watched one of those just out of interest. Agony. Like, oh, yeah, like agony. Then I did watch most of the Cruiserweight Classic, and it was cracking. Mm. It was really, really fucking good. And then they um, remember having this conversation with friend of the show, Fordy. So TJP wins it, and he was like the left field shout to win it. And I feel like as soon as they did that, they just fucked the whole thing. They just fucked it. They fucked it. So when you get a king of the when, when you get a king of the ring winner wrong, you fuck it for future years. I'll tell you what, mate. Nineteen ninety five was a cracking year with King Mabel. <laughs> what? At least he got some out of it. It's true. He did get yeah. He did get to have a little match with Diesel. Was that main event SummerSlam? The SummerSlam ninety five main event. King fuck. King Mabel versus Diesel. Is that Undertaker under Faker? Yeah. No, that's ninety four. Yeah, I um, so. that that is the one that the the thing about SummerSlam '95 <laughs> is they've got the promo that me and Tinky have often referred to, where Diesel's like, yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, well, you know, it's good, yeah, and anyway, oh my god, and he completely like, switches halfway through. It's phenomenal. So the next match we've got is the main event. It's Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. The match goes on for 26 minutes, and Rollins wins after hitting a pedigree, and the crowd very much like it. Matt, what are your thoughts on this match? It was a bit of a slow starter, but once it picked up and got going, it was actually pretty good, in all fairness to the pair of them. The the idea of, of Seth using the pedigrees is still kind of weird looking at mm. it now, but if 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 everybody can, you know if you can or can't remember at the time you know he was obviously using it being in you know Triple H's authority and I'm sure he had the curbs on band at one point because yeah. they thought it was it was too violent so they decided to to give him the pedigree and they used it in excellent effect with the counter of Roman Reigns going for the spear and then into the mm. pedigree at the end I mean that's something that you'll never see Triple H doing that that's very much struck me as like an indie move type thing. So I thought that was really cool. The match itself, like I said, it, it was definitely pretty good. By the end, it, it started to get really good. I mean, it was interesting because Roman Reigns was meant to be the baby face and Seth was meant to be the heel. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, the roles were almost completely reversed. But then obviously, as as, uh, as we found out earlier on in the night, Dean Ambrose won the, uh, the Money in the Bank briefcase. So he came out and cashed in. And it was interesting to see all three members of The Shield at some point within that period of the show, be WWE champion. So that was interesting. So oh, got, I didn't think of that. Yeah, so look, you have Roman Reigns coming in, he's champ. Seth wins, he's champ. And then Dean Ambrose left. So at some point, The Shield were the top dogs, all three of them, at one point in the same show. So that was interesting. That is good. I, I just thought, so whilst you mentioned it, because uh, technically as a match, I'm going to quickly do that as well. Dean Ambrose comes in, cashes in, pins Seth Rollins in a nine-second match. Which is the amount of time I would have probably liked for the uh, for a couple of the other matches. Uh, Ambrose hits Dirty Deeds and wins the WWE Championship straight away. Uh, before the match actually starts, Ambrose hits Seth with the briefcase as well, so which is which is quite good. And JBL says this is the darkest day in WWE history. So anything more on the previous match? Um, no, like I said, I mean the the previous match, like I said, was great. It definitely was that sort of slow starter that did evolve into something pr- pretty good. And um, the the sort of video package promo, you know. We sort of touched on that earlier. Like, I don't think either of their promo skills were massively mm. polished at that point. And one slight note as well, which is strange looking back now. Like, we know Seth's music for ages had that sort of burn it down scream at the start of it. Whereas this was at the point where his music played and it was just silence for those couple of seconds. Yeah. Which now I find kind of awkward. I was like, 
was there a technical difficulty? And I was like, well, no, obviously, just they didn't have it at the time. Yeah, like you said, this this was a good end to the show, i got to be honest. I mean, th- this was, I think, what most of the people there wanted to see. And th- there was, there was surprisingly a lot of kids, I felt, celebrating for Dean Ambrose. I, I didn't think he'd be that popular with kids. But I, I guess I was wrong because it looked like he was. And yeah, it was a, it was a good end to the show, this. Speaking about uh, Seth's music, there's some bloke in the crowd who was rocking the fuck out to it as well. Mm. Properly going for it. Oh, man, what are your thoughts? Well, first off, the video package is excellent. Really very good. Takes you back to Mania when Rollins cashed in. Brings you all through. Shows the clip of the old knee. The old knee injury in Cardiff. Poor little lamb. Yeah, it was. It was indeed. A little fact for you there. Tell your mates. We all know where Cardiff is, mate. We'll be over there. We'll be over there. We're representing England, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> You're just singing three lines constantly. Not in this neck of the woods. <laughs> ah, oh, do you imagine being a fucking patriot? Jesus. Anyway, not the not the patriot. Rest in peace. Uh, so the commentators ask, can Reigns beat Rollins? Doesn't need to. And I was like, this is stupid. He doesn't need to. Why are you leaning on that? Luckily. They leaned on that for about nine seconds. I'm guessing someone said in their ear, get the fuck away from this, you stupid idiots. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Like Matt said, it's it's a very low-key first like period of the match, probably first seven or eight minutes. Just effectively, Roman Reigns just walking around, beating Rollins up. <laughs> just like slowly like dismantling him, which I kind of kind of liked. There's a Razor's Edge powerbomb mm. by... That looks fucking fantastic. But they do get a lot of, they have a lot of trouble in the first, probably to be honest, the first 17, 18 minutes, getting any interest from the crowd, any buy-in from the crowd at all. And uh, I feel like they're waiting for Ambrose. They're waiting for that moment. I think they're waiting for that cash-in. And this is where, this brings us round to my point about the promo that he did. This is why I hated it. Because I really felt like this match suffered because of it uh, to this point. Because they then managed to bring him in. They get him in. The last six or seven minutes of this is like excellent. So Roman Reigns hits the one-armed power-up power bomb. Mm, very impressive. It looks um, incredible yeah. as well. Because it looks like he's struggling. And then he's just kind of like, well, I just need to get this fucking cunt down. Because he's too heavy. It looks amazing. And from then, I think they get the crowd really on side. And mm. like Matt's already talked about the spear into the pedigree spot. Wakes the crowd up somewhat rotten. Even old bloody, what was it, Stan and Marjorie or something I mentioned earlier? Yeah, yeah. yeah. These guys have woken up. Yeah, it's just great. Kyoda gets a cracking squeeze in the corner mm. by both men. Which I must say, I bet that'll fucking hurt. Two big old units going into him. I thought the pop for Rollins winning was incredible, really. And I think they managed to kind of move the crowd away from the Ambrose thing. And they wait just long enough that I think they get away. And I thought that was the one thing they got very, they did very well with the cash-in was that they just waited. It wasn't immediate. They didn't rush it. That's kind of pose for Rollins and then he kicks in. But there's not a whole lot to hate in this match. I thought the last six, seven minutes is really, really good. Up to that point, it's good. But it does take a little while to get going. Get, it takes a while for them to get the crowd on side. But ultimately, I enjoyed this. And I think this is the second best match on the card. I didn't say this at the time, but Styles and Cena is my match of the night. 
Yeah, with the cash in, all I could think of the end was what a fucking dreadful decision that was. Because it just didn't work. Didn't work at all. Because shit in him. <laughs> 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 well, 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 the decision for Ambro to cash in was shit because he's shit. No, no, he is. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, he's not. Um, you can tell this, like, and I know this is very much with the benefit of hindsight. He ain't carrying no fucking world title. There's no way. And I know JBL fucking blabbers on at the end. They had that darkest day. Blah, 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 blah. The reality is, is that's obviously how they genuinely felt about it. And it was, it's a way to get the title onto someone else without weakening Rollins or Reigns. That's what I think. Because mm-hmm. Styles wins it not, I don't know, it's not long after this. It might be a month or two maybe after this. And then I don't think he wins it again. And it's just like, I don't really like that sort of stuff because I feel like it's quite mean-spirited. But also when I watch this, I think, well, he's never going to be champion, is he? He's no John Cena. And he's no he's no Sheamus. He's no Dolph Ziggler. He's no Stan in the crowd. <laughs> no, he's no Bob Backman. I honestly thought you were going to say something really interesting there, old man. When you said he's not John Cena, I genuinely thought you were going to say he's not John Moxley. And I thought that would have been oh, very interesting. That, that, that would have been, yeah. I, you know what? Tinky, can you edit this in? <laughs> <laughs> nah, there were there were a fair few. Like, well, I don't think we've really, not off the top of my head, that we've really touched on any world champions that are just like, what the fuck is this? Like, what the, what is this? And how is this? Happened. You know what? Very happy for Dean Ambrose at this point because he gets a lovely reaction from the crowd and he looks genuinely thrilled. But he's just not. He's not this particular. It's like if fucking our truth had beaten John Cena at Capital Punishment. Like, it's that type of thing. I'm like, I mean, probably closer to the main event than our truth, but yeah, not a good, not a good decision, this. But a cracking nine second match. <laughs> yeah, one of the best. See, I, <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I found I found this match quite difficult. I found the first half of it to be really boring, and the problem, and basically the the problems I have with Roman Reigns with this version of him, prophecy before him turning heel, effectively, it just doesn't work. He's not likable as a babyface in the slightest, and and the fact that Seth is a heel but is getting all of the babyface reactions is is a testament more to how bad Roman Reigns is as a babyface in this role than anything else. There's a lovely uh, frog splash that Seth Rollins hits, which genuinely looks like it really hurts Roman. I think he may have actually got a bit injured at this match because he does the... the, You can't have a Roman Reigns main event without the old barricade spear spot. Yeah. Oh, Um, yeah, he fucks into it, doesn't he? Exactly, and he he doesn't quite... I think he hits, basically, hits the, the edge of it, which is connected to the other barricade. So I think he, like, nails his entire shoulder into the barricade that isn't supposed to fall down and he looks like he's in real pain for it from it but yeah it's it didn't really do anything for me i don't, I don't really like this like i said i really don't like this version of Roman reigns i think he's awful and it just doesn't work it does it does pick up but like when you get the single arm powerbomb you get seth hits an amazing top rope suplex and straight into the falcon arrow which is a really cool spot but after a while it just devolves into big spot after big spot after big spot mm. um which isn't necessarily a bad thing to have as your main event but 
when the action at the beginning of the match hasn't been very interesting. I don't, I don't, yeah, it wasn't wasn't really for me to be perfectly honest. And in terms of the the nine second match at the end, I know the fact that Ambrose comes from behind and hits Rollins with the briefcase, so he's so there's a reason why he would be discombobulated rather than rather than Ambrose coming in and hitting the dirty deeds. So I'm glad that that happened at least. So that's the end of the show. We come to the end of the show with uh, with Dean Ambrose celebrating with his uh, his little belt in the ring. And uh, we've all given our match of the night, which is the uh, AJ Styles versus John Cena match. Uh, my MVP was Kevin Owens. Yours, Matt, was um, Cesaro. Old man, did you give yours? No. <laughs> this is a real... I was thinking about this. When you boys mentioned yours, I was like, who the fuck did anything? Really? I could have Titus who knew you now. I literally <laughs> just got to be Titus. Yeah. Hey, come on. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Forgetting himself in a position where he's managed to get a US title match on a pay-per-view because he's a dad. A cracking dad. But a dad will be, yeah, you know what? Fuck it, go on, have it, Titus. And also, who can forget? And the greatest Royal Rumble. Oh, God. The slide under the ring. <laughs> which will forever make me laugh. Definitely. Um. So, over, overall scores then. I'll, I'll get, quickly give my first. I'm giving mine a three, which is the exact same score that I gave Extreme Rules. I just think there's nothing about this card that... No, that's that's harsh, because the John Cena match is really good. Uh, John Cena just says, so I'm going to give it a four, actually. But I will never return to this this pay-per-view ever again. I can't stand this era of WWE. The same way that I give uh, everything an extra point, if it's between 87 and 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 90 it gets a point removed from being over a period of years that i don't like <laughs> so, 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 so you would have given this a five mm, no fuck it it's a three yeah <laughs> that's what i thought there we go um so uh matt what are you giving this i'm really surprised to hear that you went with the three to be fair for me it's a show of two halves the the first half right up until the the cedar match was utter shit and then the rest of it don't get me wrong take out the uh <laughs> the, the tightest match and the, the second half of the show was actually pretty damn good so i'm actually gonna go with i'm gonna go with a six mm. it is a tough one this because I really like the cedar styles match i thought the ladder match up until the last it's the thing is we kind of got these little chunks where like i didn't like the end of this style cena match but i like the rest of it the last four or five minutes of the la- of the ladder match is ruined by this stupid setup that they do that slows everything down. And then you've got the main event where I think the first probably two thirds of it are just kind of okay. And then I think the last third is very good. You get the cash in at the end that I've spoken about how I see it now with the benefit of hindsight. But at that moment in time, it's a great moment and they do it as well as they can. But the stuff around it is just not very good. Like Rusev, Titus O'Neill nothing follow crew Sheamus I didn't hate it but again there's not a whole lot to love either you've got the women's tag match Corby and Ziggs the fatal four-way I think this is a five and it's probably based purely on 24 minute match and uh, seven or eight minutes of the main event and 16 minutes of the ladder match and also I think it's to your point Tommy it's not a very exciting phase in WWE for me either I think there's not a lot to it i think it's quite telling that you look at the card enzo and cass have gone gallows and anderson have gone the vault villains have gone Apollo cruz has basically done very little alberto dario scumbag cesaro's gone jericho's gone and really by his own choice 
Yeah, Tyus O'Neill's still there. Good lad. Rusev's still there. No, he's not. No, no gone. Rusev's gone. Yeah, Lala's gone. It's just, that's not actually as many people gone as I thought it was going to be when I started listing them, to be honest. <laughs> but I've done it now. I've committed. Look how many people they've lost. They've had to okay. get rid of. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of getting rid of, we better get rid of this place. That's not what I meant to say. That's a terrible segue. But <laughs> we <laughs> will get all of you. <laughs> yeah, we will. That's the end of the show for now. Um, we'd like you to leave a rating review on iTunes if you've stuck with this this far. This is an extra two minute job. What else you got going on? Nothing. I tell you, that's what it is. So I will hand you over tonight, Matt, to say his goodbyes. Thank you very much, guys. Pleasure as always. Lovely, love the salute. And old man, I've forgotten something. You have. You've forgotten to rate, review, and remember Ken Patera. And one thing I just wanted to remind everyone to do before we go as well is to pray for Tota's Ineal. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. <laughs> we'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs>